What's up, everybody? Welcome to Live Rounds, Episode 8. Um, just for people that have just clicked on, if you're uh, in the future after we've gone past the, the live chat and all that stuff, there should be timestamps on there. So look down at the bottom and check for timestamps and uh, go to whatever topic you want us to talk about. Um, we'll, we'll wait for a little bit to see if we can get some more people in here. And then after that, we will uh, get started. But there's a lot to go over. As we said before, live rounds is now only going to be two hours, so we're just going to go two hours, and then we're going to bounce. So if you guys do have uh, stuff that you want to ask questions with or whatever, go ahead and submit them. Um, Go ahead and give us support with the likes on the video and all that jazz, and uh, we'll get started real soon. Yes. Good to see you guys in the chat. Whoo, I'm tired tonight. Um. Wake up, Steven. Uh, it's good because like I was trying to make myself. I, was, I usually go to sleep so late in the middle. Like I usually stay up so late, but like as I have to be up early tomorrow, it's kind of nice that like I am a little tired. Like perfect scenario would be like this show ends and I can go right into bed and fall asleep. That like never happens, but I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt it tonight. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, we got a ton of good stuff because on top of all the stuff that we have like in the topics, I mean, you went to GCW versus Loco. I mean, that was an insane show. You know, um, and it's funny, too, because, like, um, it, you know how wrestlers are like, I need my fix. I it, I can't get a replace of that adrenaline or whatever. Like, fans are the same way, man. Like, that's a drug. Like, you, as soon as you're done with something like that, you're immediately thinking, where can I find that again? Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, dude, you should have. I, and the thing is, like, I did because there was, like, six indie shows that night. So, like, yeah. I literally went from GCW. I was, like, buzzing so hard after that show. And I wasn't even there live, but obviously. But I was watching on, on Fight TV. And then, like, that ended. And then um, PPW was on at midnight on IWTV. And that was, like, mainly death matches. So I was watching dudes, like, doing all the crazy. I mean, there was this one dude, Josh Crane, that was literally eating Florenza light tubes like oh, during this, during the match. I mean, but it was like, I was still so like pumped up from GCW that like, I wound up going to sleep at probably four or five in the morning. Cause I just, I just kept it going because there was on top of GCW, there was St. Louis anarchy run on Twitch. There was like three or four, I think three IWTV shows that night. Um, there was also AEW on fight TV. There was like a ton of stuff that on that past Friday night, but the best show hands down was that GCW versus Loco show. So. Yeah, that show was amazing. And um, honestly, Cody, if you go back, you can clearly see Bill and I multiple times. Like yeah. we're on the side when they're when they're coming around the the ring. We're on the right hand side, and uh, you can definitely see me mark out for Joey Janela. It did happen. Um, I was <laughs> yes. super hyped. It didn't matter. Uh, awesome. But honestly, I'm giving Joey his credit. Man, he had a great weekend. His match with Dante Leone probably was match of the night, honestly, for me. Um, if it wasn't Sorry. that, it was Keith, Keith, uh, Brian Keith and um, AJ Gray. Yeah. The Lucha match was really sick as well. But, um, yeah, that that match, that, that whole thing was sick. And I had heard about Dante Leone quite a bit. I'd seen a lot of him, actually, but, like, I never got to see him live. And to see my first match of him live against Joey Janela was really impressive. And I went up and talked to Dante, and he is a super nice, humble kid. 
like like really really friendly and uh i gave him like seven bucks and he tried to give me like cards and stuff and i said no man this is just just for having a great match and he really appreciated it um i did get my picture taken with him as well because i honestly i feel i feel like eventually that kid will be something he's uh he's fairly new to it too. Like he hasn't been around too super long and he's, he's really already accomplished a lot. Yeah. He's so. really damn good. I felt the same way too. Like Janela and Leon, there was like a five match stretch before that intermission. Like every yep. match nailed it. Like yep. Le- Leon versus um, Joey was awesome. Uh, and then right after that, Matthew justice versus mysterious um, Q mysterious Q was awesome. And then that scramble match was awesome. And then, um, AJ Gray versus Brian Keith, which that that's I'm the same way. It was either Janella, it was either Janella and Leon or Keith and AJ for me for match of the night. And then you had, um, and not even a big Jimmy Lloyd Man, guy, but Jimmy how, Lloyd versus Chris Carter was great. How dope is still tipping with uh, Brian Keith when he comes out? Like it, it just changes the whole vibe. It's amazing. Yeah, it was wild seeing him. So I know he's so over, like in your area. Yeah. But, like, he's so over that, like, it turned A.J. Gray into, like, a pseudo heel during the yeah. match, which was, like, pretty wild because A.J. Gray is over, like, everywhere. Right. He's a former GCW champion. A lot of people don't. He, he lost the title the same, night he, the same night he won it. But, like, still pretty big deal. A guy that they think that highly of to even give him the title at all. So Well, and then either, even, like, a Jimmy Lloyd, who's normally really over. I mean, Carter, Carter definitely had his chance as well. That's what I loved about that show is – Everybody, like, you know, people were behind Q as well. And even uh, Sadika, like, she had her moments as well against Nick freaking Gage. So, like, I mean, she, like, the whole show was just awesome. I loved the environment and everything. I went ahead and got Loco tickets for September, I think it's September 19th. And they have Savio Vega on the card already. Yeah. So I was like, it was funny, too, because, like, if I tell Bill that, because, you know, we bought tickets. If I tell Bill that Savio Vega's on that card, he's going to be like, ugh. Like, he's going (laughs) to think this is garbage. But he'll be fine because he wants to feel that environment again. Because, dude, they just sell out that place. They market the hell out of the shows. They get a ton of sponsors. They throw jello shots in the crowd. Like, they, they really go out of their way. And and they sell that place out, so I'm looking forward to to going to that show again. Yeah, it was awesome on uh, on Fight let's, TV. It came across let, great. Let's just talk about death matches, okay? So yeah. I've never been to a live death match before, and let me tell you something. First of all, the Nick Gage entrance is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. Like the moment that they that the crowd knows it's Nick Gage time. Like it is just total chaos. Like people, and it didn't matter. It wouldn't matter how dead the crowd was, how flat it was. Okay. Main event time. It's time to go amped up times a hundred. Right. And uh, the moment that guy comes out there, it is just insanity. And she interrupts his entrance. And I swear he had, I think he had three, he had three light tubes taped together. Yeah, and when he blasted her over the head with those things, I mean, the sound was just—it's like a—it's like a pop that echoes, and it goes on, and like it's just brutal. Like you feel every every time they do it. It's not like like you know a chair shot where you're kind of like oh you know so. like it, this thing gets your attention quick. So um, 
it was a little uncomfortable because it was a woman. And I mean, there's times where he really beats her down and it, it's just, and then like she ripped his shirt off and then he ripped her shirt off and like started slapping her chest. And um, that that part was a little tough. And some of the things that the crowd was saying, like just, just the, the environment was a little too crazy at some points. It felt like, it felt like I was just in evil. Like, like there was just like this evil vibe and you're like almost uncomfortable with it. So I just kept telling myself, like, she's okay with this. She's okay with this. She does death matches all the time. And, uh, and I got through it, but I, I, I think I would have really enjoyed myself more if it was a guy versus a guy. Um, and it's nothing against intergender wrestling. Like I'm fine with that, but death match intergender wrestling is a, it's a little, it's a little bit different, but overall the match was sick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she she brought it to Nick Gage. Like that was about as brutal of a death match like as you're gonna see. Like, How I mean, there's been has worse. Nick Gage been pulled the ne- the next like death match. I honestly don't know because yeah, he what Doug's talking about. He was supposed Nick Gage was supposed to wrestle Alex Cologne the next night, and they took him out of the show, which was the right call. I mean, the guy yes. was. I mean, I could tell. I, I know you got to meet him after the show, and you saw like another side of it too. But like, yeah. It, and that's the other thing too. Like Alex Cologne, like he's the ultra violent champ. Like he's yep. like the dude. He's like the one who's going to take it like the farthest. And the Sadika or Sadika match was was really. I mean, that was that was nuts. Like he was. It was pretty innovative though too. He was like stapling her hair into the mat and yep. stuff so she couldn't get up. I mean, like yep. there was a, the one thing that I'll say. Even if you don't like deathmatch wrestling, which is totally fine. I'm not saying you, but anyone listening. No, if you don't I like death, if You don't like deathmatch wrestling. That's totally fine. Like. But one thing that I feel like you can't say is like, well, I shouldn't say you can't say, but there's a, there's way more storytelling in those matches than what I think people realize if they don't watch it. Like there's yeah. really good stories that they tell. It's just really, really, really brutal. Yeah, yeah, and I mean there were some sick spots, like the the spot the on the table with the thumbtacks <laughs> or whatever from the pinata. Like I didn't really get to see that that much live. Like I was pretty far away, so when I rewatched that. That was brutal. Um, when Nick Gage like went off the top rope and he just put his back on all those light tubes on top of her, that was brutally popped right up. Um, Sadika did like the, the spinning like 360 twirl thing on top of the light tubes on him. But so I, I had this question, this is going to kind of merge into ROH, right? So, you know, this is my opinion. Okay. My opinion. I thought ROH was a pile of crap. Like, I thought that that vibe, everything about it, I think corporate ROH is gross. And I feel like they're real, they have no identity. They, they are trying to be mainstream, but they are still an independent almost. And I feel like GCW, if they were to make just a few changes, could surpass them easily with buzz and just notoriety, everything. Because I think the deathmatch thing has a place, but I don't agree with full deathmatch shows. I think that that's too much. I think it loses its effect. So when I went to that show, I was able to see a variety of everything, right? And that made me just like mark out and go crazy. It also has a raw indie feel, like all indie shows should. There shouldn't be anything corporate about an indie show. Um, and so, and and this is my criticism only. 
I think GCW really needs to chill out on the commentary. Like, I think that it really hurts their show because when you are having guys like nail crap, like um, the glass tubes and everybody's going, holy effing crap, oh my effing God, oh, blah, 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 blah. Like, shut up and let them do their thing. Like, to me, like like uh, Joey Styles in ECW, for example. Like, he was professional. He came across really good. And then when they really needed him to say something like that, he would. And to me, it's just like GCW is just like a giant party, even on the commentary. And I think it hurts it. Plus, I, I do think that they're affected through the, the microphone. Like, you can't hear them as well. through the, Like, you can't hear the crowd as well, basically. And I feel like if they clean that part up and they focus more on just wrestling, but still had their core death matches also on the show, I feel like that they could really make some serious steam if they wanted to. Yeah, I think that they're they could definitely surpass Ring of Honor as far as like popularity and like kind of their place in the in the grand scheme of things. Like GCW, they they do a pretty good job of running like those kind of variety shows pretty often where you get like a lot of like each thing. But then yep. they also, I mean, they have like full night tournaments that are like yep, marketed as death matches. So, I mean, but that's also like the audience wants that, like, the, you know, so, right. but, but it's, uh, I mean, I've, I definitely thought it, the, like the show that you went to, it was perfect because there was hardcore wrestling in some of the matches, like Mysterious Q and Matthew Justice and stuff. They, and Jimmy Lloyd and Chris Carter, they did, they did yep. hardcore wrestling, but then yep. like they, they saved like, the ultra violent deathmatch stuff for the last match. So even if you weren't into that, you could still watch that whole show and then you could just leave before the main event. Like if you didn't want to see that, but you would, you wouldn't feel like you didn't get your money's worth still. Well, and think about how perfect that is too. For my first experience, I've never seen a Nick Gage match and I didn't get to see one light tube go off. I didn't see one death match. I didn't see, um, you know, Koger put freaking uh, the things in the people's skewers. heads. Yeah, yeah. The skewers in people's heads. Like my first experience was the main event and it came off really well. And I think that they should look into doing some more stuff like that because in my opinion, like independent wrestling is so scattered and there's not really like a true number one right now. I think GCW is that I have no idea what ring of honor is. I wouldn't, I, I don't even think ring of honor is better than impact wrestling. I really no, don't. I don't think, man, I, I, I think most people would agree with, with, with that. Yeah. But like that was so far from the realm of possibility back in the day. And I think Ring of Honor's completely fallen off. I think they need a completely new identity. I, I they need to they need to find out what they want to be, in my opinion, and then be that. But this like I'm half this, I'm half that, I just I don't buy it at all. Yeah, I think the uh, them having the like pod seating hurt too. Like the crowd just Big didn't; time. they just they just weren't loud, you know. Or then, if you had a front row seat, you were damn near like seventy feet away. Like they put the the front up there, and then they put a huge barrier between that as well. Like right. that's over the top. Yeah, I mean, because there was some good matches, I think, from Best in the World, but like it did seem like a really flat, just. I mean, most of the show just seemed pretty flat. Even the matches I was really looking forward to still just, I, I think like the crowd, especially when we watch shows like, you know, like the shows we're talking about now, like GCW and stuff where the crowd's just going nuts. And then you watch Ring of Honor and there's kind of like golf clapping a little bit here and there. And it's just, yeah. it's just a totally different vibe. 
It really um, reminded me of like Daly's place when they first started to have fans. Like that's what it felt like around 400 people sounding spread out and it just didn't have the same type of vibe. So I don't, where is their next show going to be? Like, isn't it, isn't it the same? Why are these people, all these people running the same show as SummerSlam? Like, and Manny Pacquiao and Errol Spence, like, come on, at least look into that and be like, yeah, we probably don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Probably not a good idea, but yeah, I mean, bring of our can do whatever. I mean, it's just, yeah, they're, I'm honestly not that concerned about it because there's so many great companies that like. Oh, I'm I mean, not that. I, I I'm more sad about it. I'm more blown away by how bad they've fallen. I mean, to me, this is like when TNA signed with Destination America and like really just started to fall apart. Like that's what this feels like to me. Well, and and like a big chunk, if not like half of the Ring of Honor, like the current roster, the people that you see on TV, most of them aren't actually even signed to the company. Yeah. So it's like, I think there's probably a little bit of that too, where it's like, you, they don't really know really who to push like heavily because those people could just sign somewhere else really at any time. So uh, yeah, I don't know. They, it's, it's an interesting spot to be in. Cause like their, their TV distribution's terrible. Like nobody gets yep. their television. I mean, what, what you can watch it for free on their, on their website, fight. but like you they don't even fight as well. Right, right. But you don't, they don't really like, like if I was Ring of Honor, I would market the hell out of that. Like I would market the hell out of the fact that you can watch this for free on the website. Like, like just everything that you ever see about Ring of Honor should be about free on the website because I feel like people don't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And like that girl, I don't know who she is, but she does like the weekly show reminders and stuff. And she's like, it reminded me of like what WWE does. Like, that's what it reminded me of, like the bump or whatever it is. Like, but that's, you can't be that if you're Ring of Honor. You can't do that. Like, what are you? I I just, it it, it wasn't for me. I, I mean, I me personally, I look forward to MLW more than Ring of Honor at this point. Like, I don't think Ring of Honor is even on the map at all. Like, I used to be able to think like, okay, well, maybe if they sign with Ring of Honor and then they'll be like, I almost want to tell all the independent workers don't sign with Ring of Honor. Like, it's a bad move. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, most restrictions, I can't say most because I don't know for sure, but there's a really, I mean, like pretty much that entire violence unlimited stable that like they're pushing right now with like better tag team champions. Yeah. Deppin and Dickinson, like those guys aren't signed. Like, so yep. it's like, you know, with their, but they all, and they all still wrestle for GCW. So yep. like, if you want to see them at their best and like the best environment, it's probably going to be GCW, not Ring of Honor. So like, it, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's interesting. It's very interesting to see where, where Ring of Honor is at. But, um, and I don't know how, I honestly think the only way that, I, I think they're going to be a part of the, the, the Forbidden Door thing, like big time soon. Like, I think all these companies are. Like, I think Ring of Honor, MLW, maybe even GCW, especially with Moxley crossing over with, with Gage and everything. Like, that'll be Ring of, that's probably the best thing that could happen for Ring of Honor would be if, like, there was some sort of, quote unquote, almost like an invasion type thing. But, like, MLW, Ring of Honor, like, those companies, like, worked together, almost like the Alliance did back in the day. Like, because Ring of Honor on its own can't take on these companies. But, Mm -hmm. like, if it was them plus MLW plus NWA plus, you know what I mean? That's, or or if they take 
specific pieces from Ring of Honor. Like, if you took just the foundation stable with, like, Gresham and Lethal and Tracy Williams and, and Rhett Titus and that group, yeah. like, and put them in, they could hold their own as, like, a, as their own stable. Yeah. But, like, Ring of Honor as a whole, because also, like, I think Roosh will probably, especially now that he's lost the title, he'll probably pop up uh, with Andrade at some point in AEW, because they, they're, yeah. they're close. So, yeah. like, so there, I think I think the thing with Ring of Honor for Best in the World, honestly, was more to, like, reintroduce the fans. Like, this is Ring of Honor. We got a new champion in Bandito. We got new tag team yeah. champions. This is what it looks like now. So now you know what it looks like when we pop up on AEW television is, like, kind of how I feel about it, to be honest. There's just nothing for me that, that has signaled that they're going to work with AEW. Just in my opinion, like I've heard, I've heard some stuff. Okay, I, I, I don't, I don't know for sure, but like I, I, I think it's possible. I mean, if it, if it is, I'm I'm for it because there's still a lot of guys I like in Ring of Honor. I'm not saying if you work for Ring of Honor, you're trash. I'm saying just the company itself is trash. Like the what they've done to that, what Sinclair Broadcasting has done to Ring of Honor to me is absolutely insane. Like. I feel like that they just decided they were going to buy a wrestling company, but have no had no idea what the roots of Ring of Honor were, like what what the style should be, like it just just the whole thing. To to me, it's like the the like peak Ring of Honor and what Ring of Honor should be at this point was like the Supercard of Honor show that I went to against Cody and Kenny and like. 2018 or whatever it was, where there's like 5,000 people in this in the arena and stuff like. That's what Ring of Honor should have ended up being. And oh yeah, this is nothing like that. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. No, I mean you've got like seven hundred people in a seven thousand seat arena in pods spread out, and nobody even near the ring. Like it was, it was, it was rough to see. Well, because you, I mean, and like I said, the reason I keep going back to the crowd too is like, for instance, like Jonathan Gresham and Mike Bennett, I think had a good match. Yeah, and then. And then, like, after that, you know, you like, you find out during it that Tracy Williams is unable to compete, and then, like, Jay Lethal gets beat up or whatever happens, so it's going to be Jonathan Gresham teaming with Rhett Titus. And, right. like, they come out, like, they like, run out and start, like, fighting, like, right off the bat, and just no one's cheering. Nothing. So it's just, like, it's just flat. Like, it, like, it could be the best story in the world, but, like, the the fans just weren't cheering. That and the best, the best reactions you got were, like, table spots. Like, those were the biggest reactions, for sure. Yeah, but man, I, I just think it's cool that Bandito's champion. I mean, I I think that that's a cool thing, and um, like I said, they do have talent, and they, and a lot of them I think their contracts are up in January, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. Um, here's here's a little tip that I got from somebody that had actually talked to Tessa and Corpus Christi. They said that she told them that she was stuck in something till September. And then after September, she is free. So I don't know if she had signed something and like they planned on doing something and then it didn't work out because of the pandemic, but yet she was like stuck in this contract or what. But that might explain why we haven't seen her do anything and it might not be as bad as people think. And so hope in September we might be able to see Tessa pop up somewhere. Very interesting. Yeah. So you never know what you find out in indie shows. Oh no, it's wild. Yeah, I, I, it, it and everybody's out. very yeah. open to talk to man. It's just why, like, I mean, like when we're waiting for Nick Gage, I mean, literally everybody's just walking by. And you can talk to any of them. Oh yeah, for <clears> sure. <throat> I remember like the first time I saw Joey Janela live, like years ago. No, I it was before I had even seen him wrestle. He was just 
eating a hot dog next to me at concessions. Like no one around him. Like no, yeah. like you know what I mean. It's just like usually, but he's standing around like in his like wrestling trunks. You know what I mean? He but, was, like, the hot he was dog. literally just walking around with a cigarette in his mouth. He it wasn't lit. He was just walking around with a cigarette in his mouth, just all over the place. And like Brett Lauderdale was just walking around, and I mean they all were like AJ Gray. He has glasses on. He's yeah, walking around with glasses, and I mean, and this one kid like he was gay and he like loved Effie and he wanted him to sign a condom and he couldn't find it. And Effie was like, I think I have some in my car. I'll just be right back. And then like, <laughs> and then like the kid like was digging through his um, bag and found a condom and got Effie to sign it. So, but like Effie was really approachable too. Like they all were nobody like big timed anybody or anything like that. It was pretty cool. I don't remember who Effie wrestled that night. Gino. Oh yeah, that was a really good match. Yeah, yeah. both those Dude, guys are TV. Effie is Effie is good, man. Like, really like good. if if you can get past the whole like in your face this, but like he is highly entertaining. He really is. Like, did you watch the match with him and Ali Catch on in Dallas? Yeah, I've seen them a few different times because like, they team together and stuff too. Yeah, they're like really like, took, close, but like, like you see, real. like he took her mom's prosthetic leg off. And yeah. <laughs> she did like a hurricane rana, like the thing was nuts. But, yeah, um, Effie's great too because like he, he's he. I, I believe we talked about it before on the show, but like he knows that like his, he knows that his ceiling in wrestling, like he's not gonna wrestle for WWE, he's not gonna wrestle for AW, but like he he's going so hard on like what he's doing on the indies, and he's getting so big on the indies that like he doesn't. But he doesn't even care. Like, he legitimately does not care if he ever gets signed to any major company. But he's – and nor should he because, like, the dude – No, the, honestly, the, honestly, Steven, I really feel like that's going to be a lot of these guys because yeah. I feel like there, there's going to be only so many spots that can be on TV, but there are going to be guys that are, that are going to draw in the indies and just be stars in the indies. And we, I don't think we've ever seen the distribution of the indies like we see now. Oh, like, it's the best now. Yeah. It's crazy. So, like, you literally can follow these guys' careers. You can watch all their matches. Um, it, it's it's uh, it's 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 going to change the game. I really think it is. But I also think that if guys get enough buzz, they're definitely going to get signed. Also. Well, I mean, you know, like tonight RSP wrestled Dante Leone. Yeah, I saw that. I and saw like, that. And it's, far, it's, it's interesting when you see that because it's like RSP on the indies is like tip top, like one of the top, top names in all of the indies. I mean, he was the GCW champion for like whatever, however long it was, over a year, maybe a year and a half. Um, and then he's like on AW Dark, no entrance, like, you know, just, you know, he's like the quote unquote kind of jobber to, to Dante Leo or not, to Dante Martin um, yeah. and that kind of stuff. But like, I mean, he had a really good match and like they, he, they spotlighted him more than they would just like your typical, like quote unquote enhancement talent. But that's just kind of the, almost to your point where it's like, you know, even a guy like RSP, like might not be used the best in an AEW potentially, but like he can still work the indies and make a lot of money and, and be the main event in a lot of different companies. And so you're right about that. And I've told you off the record, like people that I know of that have been offered contracts with the WWE that are turning them down just to stay on the indies because they're they're doing okay money wise. Like they're not doing, they might be doing as well as they would be if they signed with the WWE, but they aren't going to have to deal with their their 
creative freedoms getting screwed over or like them have like look at Kurt Stallion for instance. Yeah. Kurt Stallion doesn't even have that name anymore. Yeah. Like like he went to WWE, he signed away. I don't know what the technical yeah, name was, but yeah, he, he's now he's Stallion Rogers on the yep. and, it, and it's I mean, but that's the thing is like that he was there for one year and lost his identity that he had, had for probably like four years or whatever on the Indies yep. before he got signed. So it's yep. like you know, or he could have, I mean, I'm glad he went because, like, I'm sure it was his lifelong dream to, to wrestle for the WWE, but, like, now he's kind of right back to where he was and doesn't even have his name anymore. And it's like, had he just stayed on the Indies, he'd probably be the main event of all these shows we're talking about right now. Well, and I was listening to Lee Moriarty on uh, Sam Roberts' podcast, and he basically said something that was really smart, and he said basically, like, yeah, I'm just kind of starting to take off in the Indies, and if I sign somewhere, I mean, that's fine, but he's like, if, if I continue to raise my stock, my value is going to be so much more greater by the time that I accomplish everything that I want to accomplish in the Indies. And so it's like, they're not just like, oh, so-and-so's calling. I'm going to drop everything and I'm going to go over there now. They're more like, okay, let's let's get my stock up. So when they do call, they're going to really want me. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, for sure. And then you have others. The other side of that would be someone like a... Um like Asher Hale, who was um, Anthony Henry on the Indies. Yeah. He, he teetered with retiring year after year because like he wasn't getting signed, but right. like then he finally got it. Like you basically got to a point where it was like, I either have to get signed or I'm retiring. And he wound yeah. up getting signed. Um, same kind of thing with like JD Drake. I'm not going to say like he was going to retire, but like JD Drake, same kind of boat. He was going year after year after year, but he, with the goal of like trying to get signed somewhere. But now it's like, because you can only imagine, like, let's say someone like Blake Christian, um, uh, Trey Baxter now with with NXT. Yep. Let's say that, you know, he comes in, he does this, like, breakout tournament or whatever for NXT, and, like, he doesn't win it. And then they just kind of make him, like, a mid-level dude on 205 Live or whatever. You're just going to forget him. If you don't watch WWE or 205 Live or whatever, you're probably just going to forget about the guy within the next, you know, couple years of his contract. Yep. Whereas had he stayed on the indies, he'd be main eventing GCW and, like, but once again, it just depends on everyone's prerogative. Like, I'm not going to yeah. ever knock someone for signing with one of these companies. But as a fan, selfishly, it bums me out sometimes because I know that they could be doing a lot more entertaining for me as a fan on the indies. It does make me feel good, though, that some guys are thinking long game, though. And it's not just about, like, oh, I just need to get signed somewhere and then go from there. Like, they're thinking about how much their stock is and what could make them better and all that jazz. So, I, I do think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it, and it's kind of crazy too, because it's like indie wrestling. I know that it's been kind of going on for a while since, like, even during the pandemic, like, there's matches without crowds or very few or social distance. But, like, it's now seems like it's just gotten to go and everybody can just take off now. And it, you're just seeing, like, an explosion of talent and people and, so yeah, it's really cool. It's awesome. And I'm glad that you're like paying attention and going to these shows now and stuff because like it's gonna put a totally it's gonna put a totally different perspective on these wrestlers that like you just think are just like not as good as the people you're seeing on TV, and then you're gonna realize like, oh no, these people are as good as what I yep. was seeing on TV. I just didn't know where they came from, I didn't know why they were over, I didn't get the gimmick or whatever it is. Like I promise you, I know this sounds I, I know I use this example a lot. I promise you. If you were watching Marco Stunt before he got signed to AEW, you would have been happy to see Marco Stunt sign with AEW. Like, I promise you. Because he is out there killing it on the indies. Like, yeah. he was having good matches. 
Well, he's wrestling uh, Starboy Charlie at Homecoming. And that'll be really good because they're yeah, also similar yeah. in size. Like, that'll yeah. be really good. Yeah. Um, and Charlie's only 18. I mean, he's, yeah, he's no. going to be uh, – him and Dickinson had an awesome match. What's funny, ago. too, is, uh, you know, he uh, he posted on Instagram, and it was just like him as, like, a 10-year-old Cena fan. And I'm just like – it's like, man, like, those Cena kids are now, like, pro wrestlers. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's a, a probably the maj- – I don't know if the – percentage wise, but there's a lot of people on the news right now that weren't around for the attitude era. I've, I've interviewed wrestlers that were born after ECW went out of business. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I mean, that's a wild conversation to have where I'm like, Oh geez. I, like they saw on Twitter, Twitter that kid was like, or he said that, uh, you know, who was champion when you were born, he showed a picture of Brock with the title. Oh, like, right. I was, and I was like, I'm like, I was like 18. Yeah. So, yeah. It's wild. Yeah, for me, I think it was because I would have started like '94. So my first, I mean, my first world champion was probably Hulk Hogan in WCW, um, because then the I remember the Giant beating Hulk Hogan for it. But over the WWF was probably Nash, um, because that would have been '94, so that would have made sense. I was I was '83, so it was definitely Hogan era. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, good stuff. I'm glad. I'm glad you're paying more attention, um, or actually a lot of attention. You're really watching a lot of stuff now. Yeah, then, so, so, once I'm in, I'm in. I mean, I don't, I don't dip my toe. I'm in. You know what I mean? And and yeah. once I, especially when I feel it, man, when I see it and I feel it and I I know it's like, oh, okay. And I, I think that AEW Dark kind of screwed my opinion on indies. Because one, I think when they bring these guys in, they're not really able to show everything that they're able to do, right? So like some matches. Um, And two, I felt like if these people aren't good enough to be signed and they're the ones that are going out to these shows, like this is the cream of the crop, then there's not a lot of great talent out there. That was my assumption, right? But now that I've seen all the talent out there and stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, no, there's 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 a lot. Yes, yeah. The the, the Indies have never like this has never been a better time to be a fan of independent wrestling than right now. Like with all the options and all the streaming services and all the stuff. You, I mean, it's it's great. Like I I rarely I watch I rarely watch anything WWE related anymore. Um, and I, I mean, I watched AEW Dark tonight because I knew RSP was on it, so I wanted to see like how, what that yeah. looks like. But I wound up watching the whole the whole two hour show, and it's it's a it, lot easier with the crowd too. It is, and it, but it's also like I like Dark for what it is. Like it's mainly squash matches. It's showcasing talent. Like I'm, yeah. I have no problem with that. But but I get what you're saying. But but the good thing is they are taking certain guys like Wheeler Yuta, and like yep. you can tell that they want to do stuff with him. Like yeah. by the way that they're using him on Dark, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see people kind of get their chance on dark and then see who kind of makes their way out of dynamite and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, man, the Indies, the Indies are, are great. I'm trying to think what the next big, uh, I mean, I know slam anniversaries on Saturday, but that's kind of not the same. So just this weekend though, we have money in the bank mm-hmm. and we have slam anniversary. So those are two right. big shows to look out for. Also the return of Misha Tate in the UFC which would be cool. And um, Khabib's boy is headlining that show. Uh, yeah. Um, is it Islam Makachev? Is he yes. the, yeah, is yeah, he the yeah, main yeah. event? Yeah. Um, against Tiago or against um, Tiago Moises? Something like that. So yeah, that's- It was supposed to be Holloway and uh, and uh, Yair, 
was okay. supposed to be the yeah, main that's event. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's a banger. So that, this that's a good weekend, and I, I really think Money in the Bank is going to be a good show. It's the return of crowds. It'll be full house in Dallas, um, and that that Money in the Bank match, the the car like the the actual match. Every one of those guys are good, so I think it'll be a good show. Yeah, Plus, isn't I mean, it Edge, and, Edge and um, Edge and Roman, right? I think so. Dude, I haven't watched it in months. Yeah, I think it's Edge and Roman as well. So, I mean, that's that's pretty solid. But, like, Lashley and McIntyre again, probably. Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea what's going on on Raw. Um, but but I will say this. The, the Thunderdome is gone. Thank God. Like, we are we are back to getting back to normal. Like, it, it, it's a big thing to see WWE have full stadiums because that really sets the tone for everything. Oh, Lashley versus Kofi is what people are saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. See, oh, Lashley so versus McIntyre, Kofi. McIntyre's in the Money in the Bank match then. Yes, he is. Okay. Lashley versus Kofi, Edge versus Roman, a really good Money in the Bank match. It should be a good It should be a good Sunday night. Charlotte and Rhea again probably? Of course. Of okay. course. That, that's never going away. Charlotte's just got to win. Like, why do they keep doing this? Like, this just, is, if this they're going to do nonsense. it ten times, just have Charlotte win and just, just admit that you don't – like Rhea Ripley that much. Like if you're the WWE, you know what I mean? This is just ridiculous at this point. Like I, and and that's what I hate so much about, about the, the WWE, um, where, where AEW has made them look so bad is they take care of their losers. When a guy loses, he doesn't lose credibility. They take care of him and they still make sure that, like he can go in there and step right back into where he was and it's fine. In WWE, they absolutely kill you. They get rid of you. They they ruin your career that you that you can never bounce back from. Like they do so much damage that people literally will write you off. I mean, like if you look at Dolph Ziggler, right? Like people thought he was the next Shawn Michaels, and now he is like literally like nobody takes him seriously, like ever again. It doesn't matter. As long as he's with the WWE, it's going to be like, oh, okay, Dolph Ziggler. And they do that to so many people. And, like, AEW just does not do that. They take care of their guys. So I give them a lot of credit for that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, Vincent Valentine with a super chat. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate it. Anybody that wants to support the channel, please send super chats. It really helps us out. Um, If Brian Danielson showed up in AEW while Hangman was world champ, would it take away from Hangman as the top baby face with the crowd? That's a good question. And we can go ahead and get into the Daniel Bryan thing since it's been brought up. I'm feeling pretty damn good about this Daniel Bryan meter. Like, this thing keeps going up here. Like, I'm starting to feel like it's really going to happen. Like, if I was a betting man, I'm like 70% sure right now it's happening. And that is a fantastic feeling. Um, I think it's a game-changing move. I think that it's not just that. It's the fact that you have him and Andrade and now Aleister Black, Malachi Black. Um, I, I just think that for whatever reason, the WWE allowed AEW to build a monster. They just did. And uh, so so here's my question. This, now, this is just a theory, okay? 
What if he shows up tomorrow? And the reason I say that is, is that New York show tickets go on sale on Friday. And if you're going to get buzz, something big that gets people excited, why not do that? I mean, I think it would be awesome. Like, I am 100% for it. Um, I don't want to get my hopes up too much, but I I did see some stuff about, uh, like, apparently WWE is, I, I don't know the full extent to it, but I saw I something. I think they took about the video game. I think was, that that's what they were saying. Okay, yeah, I saw something about the WWE, like, isn't referencing him anymore. Like, they, yeah. it's like a conscious thing to not talk about Daniel Bryan right now. So, like, um. I mean, I don't know if you saved uh, – well, here's the thing, right? Because, like, you know they got tricks up their sleeve AEW right now for the return yep. of fans. And, I mean, they could – like, hypothetically speaking, like, they could have Daniel Bryan come out on Dynamite and then CM Punk in Chicago. I mean, like, I don't – like, I'm not one of those people who every pay-per-view is like, I hope it's CM not, Punk – It's but not it's like, out of the question. It it's makes – at this point, it makes a lot of sense. And I would like, say with Punk, he has been almost – oddly quiet and he's really gotten away from the WWE when he was kind of like all about at least trying to do something with them. So I will say that. Um, and I do think when you have guys like Daniel Bryan go and Moxley and, and big show and Mark Henry and like the whole group, right. Andrade and Alistair black, like there's no way that you, that doesn't get your attention. There's just no way. So I, and I, if Daniel Bryan does sign, I really feel like that man sat there and watched Double or Nothing on pay-per-view and was like, I, I'm going. I'm doing it. I'm leaving. Like, I have to be a part of this. Well, the thing is for Daniel Bryan is, like, he, he has two paths he can take right now. He can go the safe route where he'll be a part of the WWE for his entire rest of his life, and he'll be – He'll get paid good and he'll like, he'll always have that strong relationship. And they'll, even after he's out of done with the ring, they'll have him involved in some way, shape or form. And he'll be set for life as a WWE guy forever. Yep. Or he can take the other path. If he wants to go back to being a professional wrestler. Yep. And I feel like a guy like him, I wouldn't say this about, I wouldn't say this about a lot of them, a lot of like the the major stars who have made it in the WWE, but with someone like him, knowing where he came from and seeing all these people that he came up with that are getting back into being able to be wrestlers again, he has to be itching to be like, it's got to be a real tough decision to make because it's like lifelong cush gig with this big conglomerate or... It's like, you already got your money, though, dude. Like, I mean, he's a minimalist. Like, he's like, he needs... But, I mean, the AEW would still give him millions of dollars. Like, he's still yes, going to get a lot of money. But it's, like, but it's like, bro, you can go over there and you can wrestle all these guys who were Daniel Bryan fans growing up. Like, yep. I mean... And then you but wrestle... Some of those guys are his friends. Like, oh, he yeah, knows Eddie sure. Kingston. He knows, he knows a lot of those guys. He knows the Bucks. Like, I, I think that that locker room is very enticing to him. And... Uh, you, you can't he's talking to those guys that are back there right now and they're all telling him like dude you have no idea it's like a fresh breath there like they listen well, then, to everything like the number one guy too is jericho like yeah. Joe jericho is talking to all of those guys yep. before they before they come over like yep. he was the best side like, i mean obviously kenny cody the bucks and all that 
invaluable, right? I mean, super, I mean, the company doesn't happen without them, but Jericho is the biggest piece of this, I think, into actually getting in the ear because he was responsible for getting Dean Ambrose thinking about the jump. Like he's responsible for talking. I mean, I'm sure Mark Henry, Big Show, all these guys probably went right through Jericho. So it's like, you know, Jericho's hitting up Dana O'Brien going, hey man, like you don't have to listen to me if you don't want to, but like we got a spot for you, man. And we'll give you anything you want. Yeah. I mean, like Tony Khan's your biggest fan. Like, I mean, like in that's, fact, he's he's in this room right now. I'd love to talk to you. You know, yeah. and this, bam, here you go. He's sitting next to Jericho with his little Brian Danielson action figure and his little uh, and Alice that, Black action figure. No, what what is Daniel Bryan going to accomplish going back to the WWE win the title again? Like, is that left. really? That's nothing what I'm saying. Left. Yeah, but if he goes to AEW. He can wrestle in AAA. Like Tony doesn't care. He can go to New Japan. He can do all the things that he wants to do. So I, I just think it's a, it's a home run. Like it, it, just do it. Like yeah. just do it. And I, I really feel like it's gonna happen. And that is a great freaking feeling. And I, I feel like he'd be the kind of guy who, even if it was somewhat part time, I think Dan O'Brien would be pretty involved for like a, a you know a few years like in the ring like knock out all these dream matches i yep. think i think punk would be more of a scenario of like coming in for like one or two big stories and then maybe being like you know on their commentary punk or might be as like as active as Sting. seriously yeah or i mean or we, that's but that's one thing about it. i'm glad you brought that up because that's another side of AEW that's really beneficial to these wrestlers who want to go there who yep. even want to be part-time because they do a really good job, in my opinion, with how they book their managers and mentors and stuff. Yep. Like Punk can find that next kind of grungy type straight edge kid and like he could mentor him on the on the show and he can still be a part of it. And like, you know what I mean? Like they're like Daniel Bryan, if he doesn't want to wrestle full time, like take your pick. I mean, if you want Lee Moriarty to come in, like you got the technical wrestlers all over the place right now. You yep. can have Daniel Bryan have a whole, the whole foundation stable could be led by Daniel Bryan. I mean, it's like you have so many options and then other guys are out there still too, like homicide and, and low key. And like these other guys from ring of honor back then that are still wrestling. I mean, like they, there's so well, many if awesome you're, possibilities. If you're MLW, like it, just to bring in a couple of guys there for a night, just to get some buzz, just to get people watching your show too. Like, I, sure. If the open, if there, if there is an open door everywhere, then I mean, use it. Um, and I mean, in my opinion, if Daniel Bryan goes, you have to do him and Kenny. Like that's yeah. that's the match. I like, think Kenny has to. If they are going to do Kenny and Hangman, I think Kenny has to beat Hangman if Daniel Bryan's coming in. Because you 100%. have to, you have to do Dan O'Brien Kenny for the title. One hundred percent. And this is my thing. Okay, so I kind of have a theory about Hangman, and I don't know if it's going to work. But this is kind of what I feel like is going to happen. They are going to wrestle it all out, but at some point, Hangman is going to show some type of hesitation, something, some type of mental lapse that will not allow him to overcome, and he is going to lose to Kenny. He will win eventually. Right. It just won't happen at all out. And I then it, the same way. Yep. And then at that point, that is probably where the Brian Danielson match happens because he steps in after Kenny has beaten Hangman. The crowd's kind of disgusted with the whole thing. And he challenges Kenny at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York for the title. Not saying Brian Danielson's going to win the title. 
But I think that's what you do that night. Because if you want to sell that stadium out, that's the match, is Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think that I, I've said it a thousand times, and I think everyone's on the same page. Hangman should be the one to beat Kenny for the title. Like, yes. whatever Kenny actually loses the belt, it should be to Hangman. Yes. But it doesn't necessarily have to happen at this next pay-per-view. Like, they well, can like right that now, out. they're building that confidence in him, and I feel like he should be close when he gets there, but it's just not enough. He's not there mentally, still too hurt from the broken friendship and all that stuff, and something happens that he sees that it makes him hesitate, and Kenny takes advantage and beats him. Like, I think that's the story that they should go with. Um, I don't know if that's what's going to happen, and I do think you can't – let the underdog challenger linger too long and then people just give up. Right. So like it is a, it is a slippery slope if you go that route, but as long as the end game is hangman eventually winning the title, then I think it'll work. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And Mike Jones just, I noticed his, his message there says Wheeler Yuta versus Sammy. I'm assuming Sammy Guevara announced for tomorrow. That's awesome. Good for oh, Wheeler Yuta. That's yes. awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am yeah. pumped for that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Like yes. that's, that's a double win. That's You get Sammy Guevara, who's one of the best guys in the company. In Texas, Wheeler, by the way, he'll be freaking over as hell. Yeah. And Wheeler Yuta, who, for those of you who don't know, he's the current independentwrestling.tv champion right now. Like, And he's he's been wrestling watched, on dark. Uh, I watched him and Lee Moriarty last night for Beyond Wrestling. It was like 45 freaking was minutes. Awesome match. They that went, was the they, match where Yuta beat Moriarty for yes, the title. Yeah. Yes. It was technical, and it went forever. But if you wanted to see their skill, like, there you go. Um, oh, that fires me up. I love that match. Um and you never because, get that on Raw. You would never get that on Raw. Because you get Ever. Starks. You're getting Starks and Cage. You're getting Wheeler and Sammy. You're getting Darby and Ethan in the coffin match. You're getting John Moxley and Carl Anderson for the for the uh, NJPW US title. Like did you say Cage and Starks already? Yeah, I did. For FTW, yep. Yeah. So I mean, that is uh that's fire, dude. I can't wait. I'm I'm uh, man, me and Bill have so much adrenaline heading over to that show. Like, it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm second row for that show, too. So, for look tomorrow out for night? me. Yeah, for tomorrow yeah, night. That's awesome, man. Hell yeah. yeah. Second row. Um, I've been in that building before. It's fantastic. It's perfect for wrestling. Um, it seats about close to 5,000 people. It's going to sound really loud in there. That's that same building when they announced Jeff Cobb. Like, that's that mm-hmm. was that show. That's right, because I saw him the next week. Right. Wrestle in that's Atlanta. right. Yeah. yeah. So our show, you saw the next week. Like that's how it yeah. went. So, um, yeah, man, it's so great. Like I'm getting my soul fed, Stephen. I really am. Like I'm going all these shows, and I just I'm so much happier. Like people just don't understand. Like you know, the, talk about the pandemic and all this stuff, but like, dude, like. You, you took away all my meet and greets. You took away all my ability to see all the, all my favorite wrestlers perform live to feel the crowd. Like that, that hurts someone like me. That's been a, such a long time fan. Like I, I just am so glad that I'm able to go and experience all this stuff again. Hell yeah, man. 
And we got a couple super chats. Yeah, let's get them. Uh, Dolph had a chance to leave and make a name for himself like Cody and Mox did a few years ago, but he chose to take guaranteed millions of bits. Yep. And uh, he also was really trying to take off his stand-up comedy career, and he wanted to get involved in TV, and he just felt like that was the easier platform to do that stuff. Um, I kind of feel like Buddy Murphy could do the Dolph Ziggler route it the right way. Like he could go to new Japan. He could become the next Kenny Omega type. He could really set it off. Like, could you imagine like buddy Murphy versus will Ospreay at like a wrestle kingdom? Awesome. Like awesome. So sick. So, um, I don't know what his plans are. Uh, did you see the interview with him and Sean? I did. And I also saw the interview with him and Chris Van Fleet. seemed like it was actually on the same day, like back to back. Um, he does come across though a little bitter. Like he's like a lot of them are like, oh, I'm thankful for this. He's just like they wasted my time. They they you know didn't use me. They ran me. They just told me what I wanted to hear. Like he seems really pissed off about the whole situation. Um, which, which I like. Understandable. Which I, I like too. That's a chip I on the shoulder. Like that, that so makes good. you hungry. Yeah. Did you see that they announced him and Brian Cage for the independence? Brian Cage and Buddy Murphy? Yeah. September, oh, no, I didn't see that. September 19th at the ECW Arena, they're going to do it for a Icons of Wrestling show or whatever. That's going to so, rule. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's going to be very good. Um, so, Murphy yeah, like super talented. And he's way bigger now, too. Like, he's getting yes. buff again. So, it's well, like – Well, and he's, he talked about how he used to cut weight just to look like the part. and Like, he – he did so many things that he didn't have to do to go the extra mile to prove his professionalism. And like it, none of it was like considered like, no. like okay, thanks. Instead they had him hooking up with Rey Mysterio's daughter. You know, right. Like- which, which he was extremely uncomfortable with. And then they broke And He was so smart too. Cause he didn't want to get involved in a storyline with people that weren't signed with the company. Cause if that doesn't work, then he knows he's the odd man out too. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a tough situation. Also listen to Mojo uh, Raleigh or whatever. I listened to him on Chris Van Fleet, and uh, he he cracked me up. He said that there's nobody that's bigger fans of AEW than WWE guys because we all got more money. So, oh sure. <laughs> so he yeah, said he was that, probably one of those guys that got a new contract when yeah you know, yeah when the but AEW. He said, he said everybody knows about AEW and loves <laughs> AEW because we're all getting more money. So all I um, saw from that interview was just him talking about like how dumb the whole like him paying having to pay in his face thing wound up being. <laughs> just, oh yeah, and then he also he also said um, something else interesting. I forgot that he said like. Uh, he had never had a false finish in a match until he got to like the main roster. Oh, and wow. that was just like at a house show. Like he literally was just a hype guy. That's what he got stuck as. And he never had a false finish. He never had like to really push himself in a match. So he, he had no experience and he was brought in just straight up. Like he had no training. Like he, he got trained at NXT. Like, so he's one of those example guys that like, you know, not from the independence or anything like that. Oh, I remember. I remember him coming into NXT. He was super green. His finishing move was like t- uh, earthquakes move where you just sit on someone. But he's like not – I mean, Mojo's a big dude, but not like not like that, you know. It wasn't like Yokozuna sitting on you or something like that. I just remember thinking it was just not 
Mojo never clicked with me. And, and it's also funny listening to Matt Cardona talk about him. And I don't know if he's like kidding, but he always just, he always rips on Mojo. He always talks about how bad Mojo sucked and how like the tag team sucked, the hype rose and all that stuff. But yeah, you know, I think they just, I honestly think they only, I hate to say this, but I think they only kept Mojo around as long as they did because yeah, he was so close to Gronk. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. I'm with you. Um, Dan, man, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, he said, never mind, I answered your question, but I really appreciate the super chat. Thank you for helping out the channel. Um, it says, how would you book Daniel Bryan in AEW? Don't want to bury your current talent, but also need to treat him like a big deal, big fan for a long time. Um, like I said, I, I, I think he – the great thing about him is he's already over no matter what. Like, you don't have to, like, try to build Daniel Bryan up or anything like that. And I also think – it's not like a Christian or Matt Hardy situation. Like it's, it's the return of uh, Brian Danielson, the American dragon. He will come out to final countdown. Yes. There's no way around it. Um, and I, and I think that it's just going to be a fun experience. I don't know if he has to be champion. Honestly, I, am I fine with him being champion? Absolutely. Um, but I really think it's just about putting him in there with great guys with really good matches. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so many possibilities. I don't know exactly how you'd book him, but I think the first big thing he would do would be to – got to do him and Kenny, like we Especially said. Especially if Kenny's a heel. If Kenny's yeah, exactly. a heel, then he's the ultimate baby face. Brian is the ultimate baby face, and I just – you got to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And there's just – I mean, there's a lot of guys he's never wrestled before that are young, hungry talent that – I mean, they can have just great matches with this dude. It's a total win. Um, so, well, yeah. it, this is another thing. If, if Wheeler Yuta is facing Sammy tomorrow, I mean, they've used him a couple of times. And if they're going to continue to use him, he might have a real shot at getting signed. Yeah, I think I think he's got as good a shot as anyone on the Indies. I mean, but you know, like Fuego, talented. they were like, "Okay, well, see you later. Thanks for everything." And it's like the sad thing that on the Sammy's blog and all that stuff. But like, it kind of sounds like that they might be actually really interested in Wheeler, so that's really good. Yeah, yeah, I, he deserves it. He's very talented. And he has been for years. Um, he's just now kind of getting a lot more buzz about him, but he's been solid for quite a while now. So very good to see. Says, were you guys Hayabusa fans at all? I mean, I know of him. I've seen him a little bit, but I, well, I definitely wouldn't consider myself like. Um, I don't, I don't dislike him. I just never got that into him. I saw him versus Janela at Spring Break like a couple years ago, though, and it was good. <laughs> of course, that's funny. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I liked him, but like, uh, I liked, it, I liked the way that he looked, but um, it. It he never had kinda, that. He never had a big run in like the WWE or WCW. You know what I mean? Like to where you had to, you would have really had to seek him out when he was in his in his prime. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But I mean, he he was definitely different. He was sick. The reason that Mysterious Q wears that mask is because of Hayabusa. That makes sense. It looks yeah, it looks like a, it. Yeah. He's a big fan of Hayabusa. Like that's his like favorite. So, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was high boosted versus no, it, no, it was it was great Suzaki. Oh, that is who I'm thinking of. That is who I'm thinking of. I was thinking of great Suzaki. I I I I know the difference between the two, but I for some reason in my head had it as high boost and Janela. Sorry about that, Mike. 
What about you, Brandon? What what, what were you a big fan of on uh, Hayabusa? Let's see, but yeah, man, I am. Uh, I'm. Do you really think, do you, do you think that uh, Ethan Page and Darby is going to have a really big spot? Oh yeah, I think they're going to beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, like, for sure. There's yeah. nothing that's more brutal than Ethan Page to Darby Allen. Like it's always been that way. But like I could see like a coffin drop off the stage. Like I could see something big like that. I'm really looking forward to that match. Yeah, they're going to do something crazy. Um, I hope they don't get to the point of like. I hope I hope no one gets like hurt for real, like how we've seen in some of their matches before with Darby yes. taking like the shovel to the to the arm and all that stuff. Like, like, I don't want to see that, but the dent in the head. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, um, but you know, Darby's gonna be like pitching for like something like that. Like he's gonna yeah, want something sure. crazy to happen. So for sure. And that's one good thing that some of these guys, you know, they don't wrestle every week, which the WWE makes these guys do. They wrestle them to the bone, and they it it none of it feels special. Like the fact that Sammy and um, MJF hadn't had a singles match in like almost six months. By the time that they actually wrestled, it felt special. It and felt it was like a, main a pay-per-view. Event. It was a main and it event. felt like a yeah. pay-per-view. Yeah. They do the road to dynamite. They have a video package. Like it was built for, for weeks and it felt like a pay-per-view. I and thought the match was fantastic. It was great. It was great. Um, and I don't know if you guys go back and watch like – I put a cover art for Sammy and MJF and Kenny and Jungle Boy and like our feed, I guess, was out. Um, like it said, we had bad connection. I guess our feed was out. So nobody ever really heard our thoughts about that unless you were well, even if you were watching live, you couldn't hear it. So um, we can go over that real quick. I thought the match was great. Build up was great. Uh, I didn't think that uh, Sammy should have kicked out of the tombstone uh, off of the second rope. I thought that should have been it. You could argue the same thing with MJF with the 630. But I thought that Sammy lost no credibility whatsoever by losing. He's still just as over. Um, MJF looked great, too. Um, the, the, the one thing that I will say that I think Sammy did a really good job of is he made himself look like he belonged with the, in the same category as MJF. Yep. Like, MJF kept trying to say, like, I'm way better. I'm way ahead. Like, Sammy's down here. I'm up here. And after you watch that match, you're like, dude, Sammy's a star. Like, Sammy's right there with him. So um, I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And you and MJF had to win because he's got the match with Jericho. He should win the match with Jericho as well. Like, you know, so MJF had to win that match. And I think they the way that they did it was really smart because, like, it was a straight-up chair shot to the head, which also, like – keeps credibility on a single chair shot to the head being as dangerous as it should look, you know, like yeah. it's like, you know, one shot to the head after a match, like what they had, that was, that was it. And, and Sammy was not moving. Um, but there was enough doubt there though, because Sammy was so close to beating him that they, that the only way MJF was going to get away with that win was for something like that to happen. Yeah. So I thought, I thought it was all, all done perfectly. And Sammy, Sammy's going to be there. I mean, both of those guys, I think MJF's going to be the champion before Sammy, but I could see, I could totally see that scenario. MJ hangman, hangman wins it from page or sorry. Hangman wins it from Omega. Um, MJF wins it from hangman. And then 
uh, Sammy wins it from MJF because we'd be be talking like probably two, three years down the line for something. You might have to throw Darby in that conversation as well. Well, I would love to see Darby as the champion and I would have nothing against that at all. Um, And I think he's another guy like him and jungle boy, both. I think in like three years, we're going to, that's going to be the main event scene is like that. Those like five, six guys. I mean, that's, and they're set up so well for the future. They so, really are. Then that's another thing that separates them from the WWE so much is they really are set up so much better in the future. Um, and, and that's another thing, too, is like Moxley can go on vacation and it's not a big deal. They have all this other talent. It's fine. Like you barely even notice he's gone. But when he comes back, you're extremely happy. Like the And by having these factions, yes, it does get annoying. There's so much stuff going on, all that stuff. But it allows guys to be on TV and it doesn't have to like force them to be wrestling every single week. Like, like Mike Jones just said here, um, Nakamura and Corbin have wrestled like five weeks in a row. Like, this would never happen in AEW. It would absolutely never happen because you don't need to see anything five weeks in a row. And it's like, what good does it do anybody? Like, and these matches suck on top of it. Like, they're, they're not going balls to the wall or anything like that. Like, by the time that AEW sets something up, this match is going to be a banger. And these guys are going to go through it, and they're going to need a little bit of a break. You know what I mean? For sure. I mean, like, Nakamura is a great example. If Nakamura was an AEW, he'd wrestle once a month probably. 100%. You know what I mean? It'd be a big deal. It'd be like, a huge deal. And now he's, I don't know anything about it, but I looked just now on the Money in the Bank card after we were talking about it, and he's listed as King Nakamura, which leads me to believe he must have won the King of the Ring crown from Baron Corbin in a story that I'm sure just probably sucks. You know what I mean? Like 100%. So, yeah, that's... um, Yeah, I mean, for sure. That's that's another thing. Like, Sammy and MJF have wrestled each other twice in the span of the last two years and Sammy is now 0-2 against MJF. Yep. And it's going to be a same with Hangman and, and Omega. Like, And not know, just that though, Sammy's 0-2 with MJF, but in your mind, do you think that Sammy can never beat MJF? Well, that's what I'm getting at is like when he, when he does beat him, it'll be a really big deal. Right. You know, so like that's because they're not just 50, 50 booking back and forth week after week after week. We're talking, we're talking, you know, 50-50 booking potentially, but over the span of like three years. Right. Like, like that's a completely different thing. So well, and then um, like you could have Kenny Omega bragging about how nobody could beat him, and then Jungle Boy could come out again and be like, I was this close to beating you, and then Kenny can freak out about it because it was there, but like Jungle Boy had not been going after Kenny for a while, but all of a sudden he can go back there and you can revisit the past. It's still like it holds water because they didn't destroy the credibility of what was going on. Like they're just, they're doing things the right way. You know, just out of curiosity, if you, if, if punk were to come in yes. at, at all out, who do you think if you only have like one big match you can do with him? Like, who do you think it is? Like what story makes the most sense? That's tough. Because I want to default to like him and Moxley or something, but like I don't know if that's necessary. Like we, I, I we kind of saw that in WWE when he was with the Shield and, and everything. I almost, I almost want to say MJF because he's just such the polar opposite. And then it's like, oh god, now another guy here's come through my spotlight and take my spot. And 
I'm so sick of you, you know, WWE guys and all this stuff. You hate this sport anyways. Get that, you know, like he could really let him have it. And MJF's a young guy. He could use the rub. Um, but That's a good option. Yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to see Kenny and Punk too. I mean, I, that's always been a really big match I'd want to see. Um, it, there's there's plenty of – it just depends on what direction. I mean, even – I think – I think Cody and Punk could really tell a good story as well. So you know what I think would be great. Oh, someone said Punk and Cabana. That that's funny with Cabana <laughs> being Dark Order. Punk's the leader match. of Dark Order in a death match. Yes, Punk versus Cody. See, a lot of the stuff that we've seen in the WWE before. That's only like reservation. I'm just thinking story wise, though. Like you know what? Because you, you're, you're saying if you could only do one, you know what I mean. You know what I would love, and but they would have to. They'd have to, like, obviously, if Punk were to show up, he'd be a massive baby face for that big pop. Yeah. But if he could, if he could go out, like, if he could just super turn, which he's, which he's capable of doing, like, he's 100%. a big enough prick on the microphone sometimes. Like, he can, he can make people, or in real him. life, <laughs> he should go after Hangman for being an alcoholic. Like, go straight up, like, straight wow. up society style. Yeah. And like target Hangman because he's a loser who let alcohol cost him all of his opportunities. And he always he always won the match with Stone Cold, so he could really channel that same type of energy towards Hangman. You know, yeah, like another another loser destroying our youth and our generation with bad uh, advice, drinking this toxic poison. Like, yeah, they could do that. You would have been the world champion already, but you kept going to the bottle like every other loser in this building. You know yep. what I mean? Like, yep. um, that, would, that would work, too. That would be dope. Although, if that was in Chicago, you could forget about well, it. Well, no, I'm He's, saying, like, you'd initially no, come in, it'd be huge, but then maybe, like, a week or two later on Dynamite, like, everyone's, yeah, it's punk. And he's like, yeah, I'm so happy to be back. But I gotta tell y'all, this moron who you're cheering for, this drunk loser who keeps losing championship matches, then like that's how you kind of you've got to you just turn him basically in one promo and have yeah. him just roast Hangman, um, and then Hangman would have to beat him. Like that would yeah. be the big thing. Like, and then that's like he beats Punk, then he goes on to the title, and then wins the title or something like that. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just kind of thought of that. Like, who could? Who, who would Punk have a reason in real life to have any kind of beef with? And it would be an alcoholic or someone who's on drugs. Punk um, Kingston. I mean, that'd be sick, but like... Darby yeah, and Heel Punk. I mean, I think Heel Punk would be like way better than... like He's going to, by default, be a babyface when he comes in. It's inevitable. But like, if yeah. he can turn effectively, he could be a massive heel for them. Yeah, I mean, I... There's so many options... But this thing is really starting to feel like a WCW WWF thing. Like it, re- like if they get Daniel Bryan, like in that moment when Malachi Black debuted, which was freaking awesome, by the way. Yeah. That moment, like, man, that really was like, we got one, we got one, and it was it was so sick, and I just. It, the, the, but I will say this: this does not feel like a bunch of people from AEW are going to jump ship. <laughs> like before, it was like they would go back and forth. I don't really think like they'll want to go over there being part of AEW. Like it seems like it's just such a, a great vibe for everybody over there. Yeah, I feel the same way. Especially the people that signed with AEW right at the start. I think they're going to be super loyal to the company, like because they like they were a big part of it. You know 
getting built. Like, yeah. and I also like the fact that, you know, like Mark Henry and Big Show and these kind of guys, they're not being featured as, I mean, they might have some matches here or there, but they're not being featured as guys that are taking spots from the, the young, hungry talent. No. Like, so, you know, there's room, there's room. Is I guess what I'm getting at is like, there's yeah. room for, for guys like Aleister Black and, and Andrade and these guys who are coming in, like, and anyone else who they bring in, you know, um, yeah, it's it's really it's really exciting. This is a very exciting time to be a wrestling fan right now, and I it's so funny too because like I think back to like NXT when it was like 2016 and like crazy things were happening and they were signing up all the indie guys and like it was like kind of like a mix of ROH and New Japan versus like NXT was as good as it was going to get, and now where we're at, it's just. It's just wild to me, man. It's just, like, so thankful. And it's crazy how well AEW did during the pandemic. Because if you put any new company that really relies on TV and pay-per-view sales and all that stuff, and you completely, like, take away the crowd and, like, it and all their momentum, and for them to still, like, hang in there and, and now really, like, thrive – it's 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 a really great testament to that company. Yeah. I I would have had very little to look forward to this whole last 16 months or whatever if AEW wasn't on 100%. Every this and that's so true, man. That is so true. And like imagine if WWE were the ones that like dictated everything, like they still might not have fans. Like they still like they had to be pushed to do certain things that they didn't want to do because AEW was doing things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, it it's just uh, it's just crazy how things have gone. But it's really sick. Um, so we've got a uh, we've got about forty five minutes, and I really want to talk about Connor. Yep. And uh, so let's go ahead and get into that. So, you remember when we talked, and my prediction was that when Connor feels the fire, he's going to quit. Um, I don't know if that was necessarily accurate, but I will say this. When he got rocked with punches, he went for the clinch. And when he went for the guillotine, that was the stupidest move. Like, I, and, and I've seen this happen, but to me it was a really amateur move because you're not going to get Dustin. You're not going to get Dustin in that guillotine. And now you just – giving yourself up and Dustin has full mount, just dropping elbows on your face. And uh, I just, I, I just couldn't believe that he pulled guard like that on a guillotine. That, that was a really bad decision in my opinion. Do you hear Dustin after the fight admitted though, that there was like a second there where he was like, Oh God, he might have me like, yeah. like, does, like Dustin admitted that like he was, he was close. I mean, he, He'll never admit that like he was gonna tap because I don't think he would tap. Like he'd he'd pass out before he tapped. I thought I thought Connor looked fantastic with the kicks. Like leg kicks were really strong. The spinning back kicks, like he definitely looked like not like the second fight where he was just in a traditional boxing stance. So and and I do think he actually hurt Dustin with leg kicks. You could see Dustin kind of slow down, but then I do think that Dustin got him with the leg kick that really kind of got Connor's attention as well. So, um, but yeah. And then, you know, people are like, if that thing would have went to the second round and I don't know, to me, I just feel like Connor ate way too many shots in that round that eventually it would have 
been his undoing. Yeah, I mean, a few things. So, like, I I think that Connor, I think Connor won, uh, like the stand up battle. Like his his yeah. kickboxing is looked better than Dustin. But yeah, for sure. But Dustin, you know, undeniably, Dustin's a, just a more well rounded fighter than Connor is. I don't think there's any debate about that. Once Dustin can dictate where the fight takes place and he can get him on the ground, like there's Connor doesn't have much of an answer for it. I also um, think I'll th- I just in general I think Dustin has more heart. I just do. I, I agree. Dustin's not going to quit. He's just not. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And and you know, Dustin that obviously one hundred percent legitimate win. Like I'm not taking uh, Dustin Corey. Did you see the? Ass. Did you see the replay that they've been pointing out where Connor actually broke his leg off of Dustin's elbow? Oh, is that what they're saying it is now? With so the, the, you can watch it. You can watch okay. it. Uh, one of one of uh, some some trainer at at, uh, at Extreme Couture's mom watched it and sent it to him, and he posted it. And then Joe Rogan was like, "Oh yeah, this is it. This is exactly what happens." And you can see Connor do like a front kick, and when he comes back from that front kick, the it it starts to wobble, and it was he kicked him like at the right at his elbow. And that's what broke it. And then when Connor brings it back, that's yeah. when he he walks well, on it. Yeah, which is uh, it's always hard to watch those. I mean, it wasn't as bad as the Sid Vicious thing, but like that's kind of a comparison for people. We're also know. getting used to this by now. This is getting out of hand. Like I don't know what is what is changing in the sport. If if guys' legs are just getting stronger, or if like people are starting to figure out how to counter these things or what. But, I mean, this is happening a little bit more often than than I would like, for sure. Honestly, I think part of it is, like, I mean, this isn't – there's nothing – like, it's part of the game, like 100%. 100%. But, like, I think that part of it is, like, up until more recently, it was more of, like, a – almost like a gentleman's agreement that like you didn't spam leg kicks. Like, yeah. like you, everyone always knew the leg kicks were there. And Joe Rogan on commentary for 20 years has been sitting there going, why aren't people doing more leg kicks? Like this is like one of the most effective thing and no one seems to be doing it. You well, should John, kill rampage for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and John Jones was like one of the guys that like really popularized the calf kicks and stuff. And that, yeah. that was such a big deal. Cause he was actually attacking legs and stuff like or that. He would do like the front kick to the shin. Right. Brutal. Exactly. So I think it's just now the sports just evolved to the point where it's like all bets are off. Like all body parts are going to get attacked in any way possible, which I'm 100% fine with. Right. I think it's just going to lead to more stoppages like this because people's legs, not that they're fragile, but like there's so much going on in your knees and in your ankles and like stuff where like one of those ligaments or something goes the wrong way and like your whole leg is done. So yeah. like, so, but that being said with Poirier, obviously 100% legitimate win. Dustin Poirier is a badass. One of my favorite fighters. Like I love Dustin Poirier. Super since, great guy. Since fight bill. You know what I mean? Like I remember that documentary from forever. I remember him in the WBC, all that stuff. Yeah. But like, the thing that the thing that I have to also be fair about though is like that final flurry that Dustin landed that almost finished the fight that was set up by Connor rolling. I mean, once again, he like Dustin caused it, but yeah. Connor, you know, that the end of that round looks much different if Connor isn't injured. Like he's not on the ground turtled up getting right. punched in the face. He, they're probably right. just standing like, until the next round starts. Right. right. So 
So, but that all being said, like, I also don't think that like that performance warrants a fourth fight right away. Like, I don't, like, I'm not sitting here like screaming for a rematch between the two. Like Dustin, as far as I'm concerned, Dustin settled it. Like he proved he's a better fighter and that's that. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Like I, 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 I'm a big fan of Connor. Right. But at the same time, like I'm over the Connor culture. Like I'm over the fake celebrity, the whole overproduction on ESPN, the bringing in Stephen A. and Max Kellerman only for Connor fights. Like just, just the whole thing just almost made me want to puke. And then like on top of that, you have Connor who I really feel like he was trying to be Connor, but he, he's not Connor anymore. And it was just so over-the-top ridiculous. Some of the things he said were just really – just took it way too far. And, like, normally, like, on an entrance, right, I'd be super pumped up, and he's looking all pissed off and everything. But if you watch normally Connor's entrances, they're not like that. He's normally very, like, calm and, and cerebral. Instead, he was just like, I'm going to kill this man, you know? And, like – I just I didn't buy any of it. I was just like, this is fake. This is just that and, and like this this is my thing with Connor. Like, if he'd have retired after the Eddie Alvarez fight, I mean he goes down as one of the greatest of all time with a legacy that is just gonna like it's one of the craziest rags to riches story you've ever seen, and he's off to the sunset. But I feel like this man's ego and his pride is going to make him get in there and constantly get, not embarrassed, but like the sport has passed him by. He is not at an elite level to where he can beat all these like elite level guys because he's just not as committed as he used to be. It's just that simple. Like he, and he can't be, honestly. He's, he's reached a level of stardom that it, that you just you can never go back and you're doing it in a division that is the most like athletic the most like evolution right like heavyweights aren't gonna do the stuff that 155 is gonna do so when you keep going back to 155 these guys if you're gone a year i mean they're so much better in a year so like I mean, the Cowboy Cerrone thing, like, it made you have, like, this false hope that this is who he is and all this stuff. But I just think that at the end of the day, like, he he's going to have a legacy of some, that, a guy that took the sport to a new height. Like, we've never seen anything like it. It's the mo- It was the most craziest rise from rags to riches. Like, it's, a, it's, it's literally, like, people are like, Ariel, you got to have this guy on your show. He's a wild man. He's starting to get some buzz. He has him on the show. He finds a way to get on the UFC prelim. People throw enough of a fit that he wasn't even on the Fuel TV prelim, and they put him on the Fuel TV prelim because people threw enough of a fit. He goes out there. He absolutely delivers, and then he gets to face like, Diego, uh, Brendel in Ireland. And after that, it was just through the roof, through the moon. Yeah, for sure. I, and, and this is the same guy that like beat Max Holloway with a torn ACL. Mm -hmm. Like 
think of that. Like, he's willing to fight with a torn ACL against one of the absolute best, and he wins. And then he got to a point to where, like, any time that he felt real pressure, he just wanted out. And I'm not necessarily saying in the Dustin fight he wanted out, because I really don't think that's the case. I think he was extremely frustrated just sitting there not being able to do anything. But I really don't think his heart's in this. I really don't. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it was pretty pathetic to see him, like, yelling at Dustin's wife, about Dustin's wife and stuff. And, like, you're, like, you're on the ground. You can't even stand. You got a microphone in your hand talking about the after party and Dustin's wife and his DMs and trying to set up a fourth fight and all this stuff. Now, I will give him credit for some of that, though, because, like, even Ronda Rousey was giving him props because she's probably looking at that going, yeah, when I got knocked out by Holly Holm, I probably shouldn't have disappeared for a year. I probably should have done exactly what Connor did. Grab a microphone, call someone out, and stay relevant. Um, but Connor's usually always handled his losses well, too. Like, it's normally never been, like, a situation. But, like, this is a different situation. Like, the doctors had to stop the fight yeah. because he couldn't continue. So and he I was making that. sure of that, by the way, while he was on the oh, ground before the decision got read. He wanted to make sure it wasn't a Herb Dean stoppage because that's a total, that's another thing whenever they, so here's what's going to wind up happening, right? Like Connor's going to wind up, what they they should do is do Connor and Nate. And like, obviously Dustin is fighting Oliver for the title. Like that's has to happen. 100% has to happen. But the thing about that is like, I really don't think Dustin's going to win that fight. And I don't either. Dude, like so many of my friends think that, Dustin's going to kill him. And I'm yeah, like, y'all think, think so. because y'all think because he beat Connor that all of a sudden, like he's like this King. And that is not the case at all. Like Oliveira has been undefeated since 2017. He has the most submissions in UFC history. Like this, this is not happening. He will, he will beat Dustin in any way on any way, stand up ground, any way the fight goes, he will beat Dustin. Yeah, I agree. And and I think it's but here's the thing about all that is that so whether Connor fights Nate a third time or not, I don't know. I just don't know what the timeline's going to look like. But if Dustin loses to Oliveira as I expect him to, I I totally think Dustin's going to fight Connor a fourth time. And that's going to be because D- Dustin's not going to have anyone else to fight that's going to make him that kind of money. Like he's not going to be the champion and if he doesn't want to retire, why not fight Connor again? It's a guy you know you can beat, and he's gonna you're gonna get paid more to fight him than anyone else, like by far. Yeah. So, so I think we will see a fourth fight between the two if Dustin doesn't win the title. Because that's that's that, and that's the other thing too, which is like also a very UFC thing to do. Like if Dustin somehow does beat Charles Oliveira, then they're just gonna market Connor as like this is for the title, and he never really lost the third fight and all this stuff. And if Connor wins, then they run it back a fifth time. Like it's just going to be a thing where like no one like Dustin has Dustin's not going to be able to make the kind of money he did against Connor against anybody else. Um, so I, I do think we're going to see the fight again. Um, so that's you know, so what that's I what I think is going to happen is I think that Dustin is going to lose to Oliveira, and then I think Dustin's going to fight Nate Diaz. It's possible. I still not as big of a, as money as Connor though. Still, no, no, no. But I, but I'm just saying, just in general, because Connor's out a year. So, like, yeah. you, you still need another fight, and Nate needs a fight, and that's a winnable fight for both guys. And it sounds like Dustin wouldn't mind moving up to 170. And if he moves up to 170, fights Nate, he still fight Connor at 170. For and sure. So um, I, that that's the move that I think is going to happen. 
I mean, I was I've been calling for that too. Like, I want to see Nate and, and Dustin fight, but um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it all plays out. I, th- I, yeah, I another think- fight, another fight that you could do is Dustin and Colby because that has a yeah. lot of heat right now. And if Dustin wants to go up to one seventy, I think Dustin and Colby could happen. I think Colby would work in. I do too. So yeah. But that's I like Dustin, by stock the way. If they, that's what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, everything is possible at this point. Like the floodgates are open. Super fights, money fights, titles, all that stuff. Like it's all because we're living in a world where like it's totally possible. If Dustin Poirier beats Charles Oliveira, Conor McGregor would like getting a title shot off of what we just saw. You know what I mean? Like I think, yeah. and I think he would. Like just because the UF, that's how the UFC would market it, and Dustin no, would make one point eight million pay per view buys. Yeah, that's what the second highest ever. Yeah. So I mean, um, I mean, when yeah. you have when you have like Jake Paul to Logan Paul to Mel Gibson to Trump to Machine Gun Kelly to to, to every fighter under the sun to to Bieber. Robert Kraft. The owner of the yeah. Patriots, like the the owner of the Raiders, like literally everyone is at that fight. Like yep. it, it's it's a different level when Connor fights. So, but like I don't even think it's merited anymore. I really don't. Like it, it, it he does not. It doesn't excite me as much. I'm over the the antics. I feel like it's more staged than anything now, and I just. And, and and I'm also at the point where like Connor doesn't need to do this anymore. Like this this is just like I don't enjoy Connor just getting beat up. Like the 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 whole point of Connor was Mystic Mac, right? Like predicting yeah. his shots and like going out there and delivering on the biggest stages. Now just to watch him get beat up, it's just like you just watching the guy that you felt was invincible and all of a sudden he's just like falling apart in front of your eyes and his ego can't handle it either mentally. And what he said to Dustin on Twitter last night was utterly disgusting. Like he deleted, I bought a missing. So he, he posted a picture of, first of all, he said, I can, I'm a dangerous man. You don't know how dirty I can be or something like that. And then he posted a picture of Dustin and his daughter and then he posted Gonzo. Like he tweeted out Gonzo. Gonzo. Like from like Sesame Street? No, like he'll kill them. Wait. Oh, he said the word Gonzo. Yeah. Oh. After he t- posted a picture of Dustin and his daughter. Yeah, that's – he must have deleted this stuff, right? He did delete it. Okay. Because I saw people last night were like, oh, my God, what's Connor doing? And then, like, yeah. I looked on he his Twitter and there was a crazy Twitter spree. But he did post it that, like, he it's, did post a picture of Dustin and his daughter. He's 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 just – he's desperate to stay relevant in this Well, and then he posted the picture of him on a stretcher and saying, the game needs me. Like – like it, it reminds me of like uh like in the movies where like they arrest the bad guy and he's talking crap while he's getting driven off yeah. in the police car. Yeah. Like you'll pay for this. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, 100%. That, that's what it reminds me of. Like it's just it's petty. But like it is disturbing to me though when it's like he has all the money in the world. He could if he wanted to 
do something really stupid and dangerous and, and hurt people um, without him being involved if he really wants revenge. And like just the idea of just hinting at that, like you don't – this is fighting, dude. Dustin did his job. Dustin went in there. He did his job. And that, that's another thing too that make, looks, makes Connor look so bad is that Dustin is such a good dude that Connor just comes across as a bully. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, he just comes across as a bully. Yeah, I agree. But the good thing about Connor still fighting is the trickle down effect of like, like here's the best example of that. The biggest star of that whole show was Tai Chi Yavasa. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Because, like, he went from you – know, he's an unranked heavyweight, but a guy who people know. Like, I mean, when we did the previews and everything, we probably talked about, like, you know, we know about the Shoei and, like, all this stuff. But, like, most of the fans are probably didn't. And, like, that dude knocks out Greg Hardy, which, like, so many people wanted to see. Right. And then he gets up on the cage and does the Shoei. And, like, then he's taking Shoeys from other people. That's and another like, thing, the hot too, sauce like – Greg Hardy hasn't really been knocked out. He has, he's had like issues. He's lost fights, but like no one's just like knocked him out. So yeah, that was a huge moment for, for Ty. Right. And then that's the big thing is like hot sauce. He put the hot sauce in the shoey. That was messed up. Ty just like spit it out all over himself. Like just disgusting. They asked Dustin about that out in his post fight and they were like, they're like, yeah, it didn't look like Ty um, was a huge fan. And he was like, yeah, I think that might have been, like, the taste of someone's shoe, not the actual hot sauce. That <laughs> Like, that's probably what – but but, uh, the, but my point is, like, Tai Chi Yavasa is now going to be in a position where he'll, he'll be, like, the co-main of another pay-per-view or he'll be the main event of a fight night or, like – but that doesn't happen unless Conor McGregor is the main event. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, all those eyes are on him because Conor McGregor is on the show. So it does help out all this other stuff with the trickle down, all these other fighters who are on the show. Sean O'Malley. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, Mm -hmm. like, how good is Sean O'Malley? Because, like, granted, that kid was tougher than than hell. hell. I mean, ridiculous. And I don't necessarily agree with the stoppage. I agree with with the safety. I'm watching Mm -hmm. out for the safety. But if you were so concerned about the safety, why would you let it go and then just stop it with the 30 seconds left? You should have stopped it way before that. Um, But, like, I'm not convinced he can go in there and beat a top five guy when he's struggled with Cheeto Vera. I think Cheeto's very good, though. But then he couldn't put this kid away, in my opinion. Like, the the, the stop was premature. Um, he does show skills, but what really bothers me is he's way too focused on being put on the highlight package. Like he's, yeah, the dribbling and he like wants to go viral and all that stuff. And like, dude, that'll get you knocked out. Yeah. But dude, like I watched him on the Pat McAfee show earlier yeah. and like he's, and I've talked about this with Sean for years at this point, what he's doing I, I respect what he's doing. He's going after the hype beast crowd. That's what I always yep. call it, the hype beast crowd. The the YouTubers and TikTokers and Fortnite players. Paul crowd. Yes, exactly. He's he's friends with the Paul brothers. Yep. Like and, and like he's really proud of that. You know, which what is what it is. But it's one of those things where like the only issue with that is that's a very, very, very fickle fan base. Like 100%. that like had Mutino or Machino, whoever the, his yeah. opponent, had he yeah. beat O'Malley, all of those fans would have Gone. bailed from O'Malley and went straight to the other dude. 
the yep. other dude with the the bright colored hair and the the flashy personality that beat their guy. Now it's like, oh, screw that dude. I'm all about this dude now. Yep. Um. So that that's only you're kind of playing with fire with fire with that a little bit. With I like, will say though, with the Paul brothers, I think if the Paul brothers got knocked out, their fans would still be there for him. Like, I'm just proud of you, Jake. You did so good. You know what I mean? He was a former champion. It's fine. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? We also have to be realistic about like the Paul brothers are still. We're talking probably they probably have what like 20, 30 million followers each or something. And that's what Dana gets so annoyed when they're like, Well, these YouTube guys are getting paid. Like Dana's like, they built their brand. They're huge stars. That's why they're getting paid that. Exactly. But the other thing about that fight is like we also don't know how good that Moutinho kid is. Like if he goes in there and beats like a top 15, 20-ish guy in his next fight. Because he'll get another big fight because so many people are talking about him and O'Malley. Like, he'll fight someone with a name, I think, next. And, like, if he beats them, then, like, that doesn't make Sean Sean's performance look nearly as... as uh, I, I don't want to say bad because O'Malley looked great. But, like... The Patino, he kind of reminded me of Lieben. Where, like, he yeah. just kept coming forward. And leave yeah. him one because he was a tough guy. It wasn't because he was like this super athlete. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I'll never forget his fight with um. Now I'm gonna forget the name. Uh, Might have been Terry Martin. I can't remember which yep. fight it was, but where he was like he literally like up, and then up against the cage him. and just <laughs> no, yep. no, like, blasted him. Um, Although nobody with the talent level of Chris Lieben should have beat a Vanderlei Silva. I mean, just absolutely disgusts me. I but. remember calling that prediction correctly. Cause I, cause I, I knew it was a coin. It was a coin toss. It was someone's getting knocked out immediately and it wound up being Lieben on oh. the better end of it. But like, but he also showed like, I'll never forget his, his submission win over Akiyama. Like yeah. that was like, he was getting beat up and he put him in like a triangle show. Cause like what? Yeah. Um, but, um, but, but so O'Malley, here's the, a couple things. So the first uh, two things. The first one being O'Malley. I think he should fight Garbrandt next. He should fight somebody who I, I think. Oh, I think you know, Cody's going to a different division. Honestly, give him Rob Font. That's fine too. Just 100%. let's see where he's at. Let's yeah. see where he's at. Give him Zombie. I don't know about that, but that'd be fun to watch. Um, but I mean, he just fought Rob Font. Like, the, like give him somebody that's in there. Zombie's at forty-five. I keep thinking O'Malley's bigger than what he is. And I think he's going to go to 45. I do. He's too big. Um, But then, like, the stoppage itself, like, I hated that stoppage. Hated it. Because for the same reason. Like, if you're that concerned about the damage, I get get protecting people. But, like, you should have stopped the fight earlier then if that was the case. You don't want to stop the fight as the dude. We've seen it before where guys are, like, up against the cage, like, out on their feet, and the referee jumps in. Like, I get that. This dude was in the middle of the octagon, pointing at O'Malley, swinging back, and her being got in his way. And, and he was, and usually when that happens, you see some sort of like confusion or like they don't realize like they're so discombobulated from the fight. This guy was like immediately like, "What? Get out of my way! Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. like, he was, like." And there was only thirty seconds left in the that's fight. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's a. I feel and like what I don't dude. like either is O'Malley was starting to get gas. He kept looking at the clock. He was getting pressed. Like you can't just say that this kid had absolutely no chance. Like it wasn't looking good, but like he wasn't even really rocked. He just kept getting hit, right. but he wasn't really rocked. And that's kind of where I was just like, man, how good is O'Malley's power? 
are we making things a little bit bigger than what they really are? That's why I'm ready for him to get tested. I'm ready to see him fight someone like a Dominic Cruz or something like that. So Same. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And kind of to that point too, like uh, Jagan King said in the chat, who takes over uh, UFC after Conor McGregor, that's what they're trying to figure out right now. I think like that's why yeah. they're putting guys like Sean O'Malley and that's the, why I have given credit with this too. And this is also why we're not sure exactly where O'Malley's at. They have done a really good job of slow building him. They haven't, yeah. like, you know, they're they're trying to get a lot as much hype behind him as as they can. So even if he does lose to a dominant Cruz level guy, they can still be like, yeah, but y'all, but he won like ten in a row before that. So like, he's not like he sucks. Like then they right. just got to take down his competition level a little bit. But where I get kind of um, a little concerned is when you look at the big stars in the UFC. Guys like Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, Herbie Memorial Madoff, who's, you know, stepped away from the sport. Um, John Jones, who, like, we don't know what his future really is right now. Um, but, like, Dustin and Conor could both very well peace out, like, within the next year or so. Like, both of oh, them. Like, we've made, we've made all our money we need to. We don't have to keep fighting. And UFC has done a pretty good job historically of, like, being able to build the next stars. But we have never seen a star the level of Conor McGregor. Juan no. Rousey is never coming back. Like, like Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz might fight forever. Like he, because that's just who he is. But like, yeah, I think there's a reason why Dana is so open to bringing Nick back all of a sudden again. It's like, you're, you're, you, you know, you have to, I don't know if they can fill the gaps to the same degree when you leave. Yeah, but, guys but like, I don't know if they necessarily need such a big superstar because they have so many good people spread out. Like, it's not going to be like, there's going to be that, one million buy guy, but there's going to be a good like 500,000 buy guy all every month. You know what I mean? Like that's right. And I think during the pandemic, so many people discovered the sport and like, I don't know about you, but like it's be, kind of become like the conservative right wing sport that people love because like Candace Owens is plugging the crap now. Like, it's a lot of people that are believe that like it's the one sport out there that doesn't have to worry about um, public apologies and making people this way. Like they let the fighters say what they want to say. They give them the freedom to be who they are. And so like a lot of people have grasped onto that as well. And Dana has definitely pushed that as well. So I, I, I think that they're getting a newer audience that they've never had before and I think guys like Usman and, you know, I think Masvidal's old. I don't think he's going to be around much longer either. But I do think that your dominant champions, Adesanya, um, Usman, uh, Nganu, if that works out. Um, Nganu should be so much bigger than he is. And, like, and not just that, though. Like, it could be, like, next week. And all of a sudden, there's a Chimaev that you had no idea about. And then he just comes out of nowhere. And then there's that Patty guy that's coming in. Patty Pimblett. Yeah. yeah, like I think he's going to be a star. I think that there's just going to constantly – the UFC, no one saw Ronda Rousey coming. No one saw Connor coming. They just come. No one saw the rise of Anderson Silva. Like, yeah, you thought he would be a good fighter, but you didn't think he was going to be like go right. all-time great, you know? Like – 
that's what's so great about the sport. You don't have to worry about pushes. You don't have to worry about the promoter necessarily believing in them. Fights take care of themselves. Like Dana could hate the guy to the core, but if he keeps on winning, there's nothing he can do about it. Yeah, but I agree. I mean, I'm, and I guess I was looking more of like, a, you know, who do they have now that I think could be like, a, you know, a close to two million pay per view draw if Connor's not there. I have one. I don't either. But like you said, you never know. Like that that kid could be in the in the apex right now. You know what I mean? Like so. Um, now I really imagine, don't know. Imagine like a Chimaev, right? Like imagine he goes in there, he fights um, the guy that he's fighting. I don't know. I don't remember what his name is, but he destroys him, and then he beats another guy, and then he gets a title shot at Usman. And watch him like imagine if he beats Usman in like three minutes. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh my god, who is this guy? You know? And then like here it goes again. It's just, and he could be remarkable just because he's like. I smash, I smash you, I smash everyone, you know, like, and you just never know. You never know. Like, uh, the, the one Tong Po looking guy at 205, like, boom, just all of a sudden. Oh, you're, the, you're a Prochaska. Yeah. Like one week you don't know about these people and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, they need a title shot, you know? And then they go in there and they deliver against a champion and then bam, like it just, you never know. I do Water think though, there's something about, and I think what's great about the UFC is how many like foreigners are there. And it's not just like an American thing because it gives you so many different personalities. And I think that's what Connor took off with. I don't think we'd ever really heard like a legit Irishman talk crap and be as charismatic and witty and smart and like on his feet the entire time. And he became like, damn near like Ali trash talk level. Like it was like chill sun and level. Like it was, uh, it was something we had never seen before. And I, I definitely think because they're international flair, right? Like because of having so like, if you're so global, it gives you so many more options to find a star than just if you were only like American based, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, it's, you know, I've said in the past that, like, and this is funny that I'm going to bring this up because I saw the the whole Stephen A. Smith oh controversy recently. But, like, I think, because it isn't, it, this isn't even something that's, like, I, what I'm about to say is not, like, a new thing that's been said in the, in the MMA community. This is, like, a conversation from, like, that's been going on for years and years and years. But there used to be a stigma about the UFC that still might exist a little bit, but probably not nearly, not nearly as much now. But there used to be a thing where, like, certain fighters, you could tell, like, were getting passed up because they didn't speak English. Yeah. Like that, that was hap- That definitely was happening in the UFC. Like, really, really damn good fighters, but like for whatever reason, I shouldn't say whatever reason, they didn't speak English. So, like, the UFC like wasn't getting them title fights as fast as people who did speak English. That that absolutely was happening for for a time a time in the in the sport. Yeah. Now, the reason why I brought that up though is because of the Stephen A. thing, because I think it's a moronic a moronic viewpoint to take. Like, I don't give a crap what language you speak if you're good at the, at the job you're good at the job like i don't care at all if you can speak english or not at all I so think like more speaking from a corporation company standpoint because 
I definitely feel like Dana or whoever, he prefers his champions to speak English. I do think that. But he will roll with whoever if they don't. But he will at least have a translator there so you can know what they say and all that stuff. Well, but also, like, now the UFC is so much more well-known in all these other countries, too. Yeah, like, like for sure. Years ago, it was like if you had like – I can't stand the USA chance. I hate them. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm all for being patriotic and loving your country, but like you shouldn't be rooting for someone just because they're from the USA. Like root for who's the best fighter or whatever reason. Well, the best is when people are doing USA chants when both of the fighters aren't from the United States. That happens too sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Like, like where these like just totally xenophobic fans are just like cheering for the they think like the white guy in the mat in the octagon is from the USA and like the darker skinned guy isn't and they'll be chanting USA USA but like neither of them are from the USA it's like right like that's no I I I, I couldn't agree more about all well, that like you know if you were fighting Kane and you chanted USA like Kane was born in America so right <laughs> it's, it's right. just the whole thing it's it but yeah I, I it used the, to happen reason, in Benoit. It used to happen in Benoit and Jericho matches. I remember that. Like that would happen yeah. in Benoit, and I'm like, these are both Canadian. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like the reason the Stephen A. thing I thought was ridiculous is like he uh, he's literally apologized like eight times, eight times. Like just say your piece and move on. And to me, every time that you have to apologize, just shows that you're really not sorry. You're being forced to say it. Like. Yeah, I need you to say it on Twitter. I need you to say it on your show. I need you to say it on first take. Your apology was actually really bad, so you need to run it back again, and then you need to apologize again, and then you need to have Asian people on your show to hear their thoughts and concerns. Like, overkill. Like, he's literally on an apology tour right now. So that's where I think it's ridiculous. But, um, but yeah, I, I do think that people gravitate they they do accept people more if they're from their own state, country, whatever it is. But dude, in fighting, if you're a badass, like people will accept you no matter what. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And that's why someone like Habib, I think, was so huge. Like, I mean, he's huge in his part of the world, obviously. Right. Uh, you know, Dagestan and and you know Russia in general and all that. But like the US fan base, like, I feel like they love Habib. 100%. Like you know, like because he was so freaking good at what he did. Like, um, yeah, that's my thing. I just want to see the best people fight. I mean, like Korean yep. Zombie is one of my favorite fighters ever. I have no, I honestly don't even know how good his English is. I have no idea. I, I don't, I don't know. If I, huh? I don't think it's very good. And, but that's the thing. I have. I honestly don't even know. He's one of my favorite fighters ever because all and I, I care about like, is so like He came across just like a killer when he spoke yes. Portuguese, and he had that you deep voice I mean? too. Yes, so, yeah. You know, um, like when he speak English, he he would sound like kind of like unsure of how he was going to say stuff. But when he was speaking Portuguese to Rampage, like it was like, oh man, you're a dead man. You know I'll never I mean? forget how confused I was the first time I heard Anderson Silva speak, and he's like. I come for fighting. And I'm like, what? This guy doesn't sound like at all what I was expecting. <laughs> Same with like Mike Tyson. Yeah. It's like, go have a great fight. Go, I mean, really, really, really appreciate this opportunity. I'm like, what the hell? I remember Brock too. Remember Brock Lesnar? Yeah. Save it, Paul. Like, yeah. Yeah. What? So, Man, that's yeah. funny. But yeah, so I have these big badasses that have these like weird sounding <laughs> voices. 
And it just doesn't even matter. Like, they're such badasses that, like, who's going to say something to him about it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I love the diversity in the UFC. Like, it's they, the roster they have right now. And, and that's part of what makes MMA just my favorite sport in the world by far is just the fact that it doesn't matter if you grew up with all the resources in the world, it doesn't matter if you grew up with nothing, like you're all like your hands in your fists. Like that's that, like it isn't like any other sport where like golf, you have to have a membership and all this stuff. You got to have money to even play football. You American football. You got to have the pads and have a field to play and all this fighting. You are on the same level. If you are a rich guy from the United States or a poor person from Name the country. It doesn't matter. You're on the yep. same level at like the very base of it. Obviously, people can have better training and resources right, right, and right. stuff, but better at the core of what it is, it doesn't matter where you're from. You you're on the same level as everyone else. I love that about that sport. Or about well, this sport. too that it's in different countries and like you can take it different countries and you can get different feels for countries and environments. Like I'm not a soccer fan, and like so many people love soccer because of how international it is. MMA is the closest thing for me. And it's always been that way, though, too. It's not like it's just kind of become that. Like, dude, when it was Pride, it was people from all over the world. Yep. It was the UFC. It was people from all over the world. Like, it, it's always been that way, and I I absolutely love it. Sure. But I will say, like, with Connor, what kind of concerns me is, is, like, when you were, when you were never – when you never had money and all of a sudden you have money – like, I, I feel like that, man, he could just throw it all away. Like, he could just be self-destructive and just throw it all away. Yeah, I really that's on him, though. I'm not going to. What's up? I said, that's on him, though. I'm not going to, like. No, I, like, I, but I but I want it. He, he earned it, man. I want him to just call this thing and, and have a good life. Like, don't be stupid and pull a Mike Tyson and lose all your money and fame and, and like, just. Just man, you, you earned what you got. You you reached the mountaintop. You really did. You beat Jose Aldo when nobody could. You 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 won the title in two different weight classes at the same time. Champ champ. Like it it was an unbelievable rise. Your resume. You've beaten a a ton of great fighters. Like it's called it a day, man. Like it's, it's take your money and run. Uh. Edward Laurent, Edward, sorry, Eduardo Lozano. Um, another good point there. Marino, I think Brandon Marino, he could be big for, he could be really big for them. He's still young. He's Mexican uh, champion. First ever like true Mexican champ. Like, yeah. and that's a market that's like, I mean, talk about fight fans. Like that's. And you want to talk about like the lovable underdog. He's like great. that's, that's him. And he's like a nerd. Like yep. he could, he can really, uh, and see, that's my thing, though, is, like, he got cut. He got cut by the UFC and came back. Like, so, so you just never know. Like, Charles Oliveira, like, he was on a losing streak. And then lost to Jim Miller, I remember, yeah, right. like, forever ago. He lost to Paul Feldler. Like, yeah. you just never know. Like, Barboza, like, he could come back and start to go on a crazy streak. Like, Especially at his new weight class, like right, yeah. So, I mean, like it, 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 the 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 fight game just takes care of itself. That's why I love it so much. Oh yeah, like, I don't think it's in any trouble or anything. I just I was no, just no. thinking more like I don't th- they're like Connor. I don't know if we ever see somebody to Connor's level in, in my lifetime. I don't know. No, but I don't think um, so. but I mean, if like you said, if they can just keep a solid 
X amount of people that can be like just solid pay-per-view draws for them. Like that's the sport's going to be just fine. So, yeah, it seems like that they accept all champions now. And like, it's not, there's no mighty mouses in the division where people are like, Oh boy, I don't want to watch him. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like everybody looks forward to all the title fights and like, they're just, they're just rolling right now. Yeah. Speaking of that, Misha's back. Um, I think it's really interesting because I think if she wins, like she's going to get Amanda. <laughs> like Probably. I don't think it's going to take a lot. They don't have much of a division, and um, but it's very interesting. She looks in really good shape, and uh, well, I, they're, I, lo- they're lobbing this up for her. like this yes, is like it's 100%. more. Marin Renault's lost like four or five in a row. Well, it's like, like her retirement fight. Like she's not going to fight again after this. So oh, Renault, yeah, yeah. So this. This is this is right there for her. And then next week is TJ Dillashaw, and I'm Sanhagen. very curious. And Corey Sanhagen, I'm very curious to see that fight. Because no more contender fight. Monkey Rich and everything, if he's still legit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the winner should get a title shot. So, like, that's – and that that's like, – I mean, Bantamweight and my, – my favorite top 10 – or, sorry, my favorite top 15, right, in, like, the rankings is featherweight. But Bantamweight is, like, really close to that for me. Like, those two weight classes, 135 and 145 right now, are so ultra-stacked with talent. Yeah. Like, um, that's – that's because you got uh, – obviously, Aldo is going to have to run it back with Jan because of the last fight with the controversy – but the, the winner of Sterling. Oh, sorry. Uh, Jan and Sterling. I'm no, like, don't kill Aldo again. The man. The man sorry. Yeah, I meant Jan and Sterling. And then, um, and then uh, you got Sandhagen and Dillashaw. The winner of that unquestionably should get the next shot, especially because Sandhagen and all and um, Aljo, Aljermaine Sterling have fought each other um, before. And, and Sterling choked him out so fast that people felt like he didn't even get going in that fight. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's an awesome fight. I know Jeremy Stevens. I don't know who his opponent is, but I know Jeremy Stevens fights this weekend. He's always fun to watch. Yeah, it's actually um, a pretty solid card on Saturday. Yeah, it would have been super stacked if, if Holloway and Yair was still on there. But. Oh, yeah, that had been beautiful. You know, it's funny as I was going back and looking through pictures and events that I've been at and, like, pictures I've taken, and I totally forgot that I was at a fight um, where it was a UFC where it was a Yair and Dan Hooker. Like I was, I, was very, I think it was like one thirty six or one sixty six, whatever one it was. Did they was fight like, against each other? Yeah, at one forty five or one fifty five. One fifty five. I don't remember Yair yeah, ever fighting at one fifty five. I mean, I could be wrong though. I I swear it was him. I was like, that's because I remember Bar- I remember Barboza and Hooker. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Because that was a fight where, like, Barboza, like, kicked the hell out of Hooker's body over and over and over again. And then, I mean, one of the craziest things ever was that year in Zombie with that last-second elbow, like, weird elbow, like, over his head. Like, that was nuts. Yeah, that was one of the most craziest knockouts ever. Um, I can't find it. But, yeah, it's, like, stuff like that's funny. It's, like, oh, yeah, I saw that. Oh, oh, I saw Stipe's UFC debut. That's right. Oh, I saw Anthony Pettis versus Jeremy Stevens. I forgot about that fight. And then I'm, like, that's right. I did see Aldo face Kenny Florian. And, like, <laughs> you know, you just forget about stuff like that. That's why I try to take pictures of every event I go to. Yeah. Like, I'll take I'll take a bunch tomorrow. I'll take a bunch uh, in Dallas. 
I took like 600 pictures at GCW. I mean, I, I take pictures all the time, especially with phone now. It's so easy. See, I like the people like you do that because I don't like I don't like having to fumble around by phone and all that stuff. Like I don't I don't like doing any of that. It sucks when you get caught on TV. Um, yeah, I was I was at that as well. That was a great fight. Um, it sucks when you're on TV and you're just always holding your phone, taking pictures, and you can see that <laughs> that's instead of me like marking out or something, but. I don't know. I really always look forward to looking back. And uh, between fighters and wrestlers that I've met, I've added up you know all the pictures I've done recently and everything. It's, it's 166, so I've met 166 total. So I'm 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 proud of that. And I, I love, dude. I love going back and looking at that folder. Like that's my one of my favorite things to see all the people that I've met. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome we have all that like compiled. Mm. Britt Baker is going to be in Houston with uh with the guy that played Carl Weathers who played uh, Apollo Creed and Rocky and then also the sensei in Cobra Kai uh Martin Cove he's also going to be here for Houston Comic Palooza but it's like $229 to meet all three and I just can't pick one so I probably won't do it but it will be tempting me when I get home I'll see what I do there you go yeah. So, um, real quick, we'll just talk about Impact uh, Slam Anniversary real quick. Um, do you think that Kenny's dropping the title to Sammy Callahan? I sure hope not. They just changed it to a hardcore match. Oh, um, God. Well, I mean, they, we know you're banged up. Let's put you in a hardcore match. But they need to do it because Callahan's only going to be entertaining in that environment. Unfortunately, like that match has no steam for me. I've I've watched every week. I review it for Fightful. Like I'm, I know all about the story. I've been paying attention the whole time. Not into it. Um, I really hope Kenny retains, especially with fans coming back. Like, let's really do this Forbidden Door thing right with with right. the fans there. Um, I don't I do know. think though it would be interesting if they did like the paranoid Kenny to where he loses all the titles. He loses the title to Andrade. He loses the title at Impact, and then he just has the one AEW title, and Hangman's coming for it. You know what I mean? Like I think that that would be interesting. That could be a good story. I just don't know how Impact screwed this up so badly with like. At Against All Odds, which was a few weeks ago, they did Moose and Kenny Omega for the it title. Have been and and then, then it should have been Moose for this. Like, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. I, unless um, they felt like that they weren't going to be able to sign Moose at that time, and right. then they worked it out. Like, I don't know, but Moose needs to be Impact Champion. And I agree. I, Sammy Callahan does not need to beat Kenny Omega. Like, I feel like it's like this. It's like we're living in this false reality where only Impact thinks that this guy is a main eventer. Like, I I don't get it. Like, I don't think he's great. I'm not a big fan at all. Uh, yeah, he can talk on the mic, but, like, he's annoying. And, I no, not a fan. Yeah, and he's never – I mean, like, if you look at his whole career, it's like CZW – like, years ago was like, yeah, he's, like, okay, but he's not, like – I don't see him as like this big star. And then like he winds up in WWE or NXT as Solomon Crow and like goes nowhere. And then like, you know, I even saw like after he left, he did like some MLW stuff yep. and like no crowd reaction. Like I remember he was at Evolve at like for the Dallas uh, WrestleMania weekend. 
And I was just like, ugh, Sammy Callahan, you know? Yeah. And I mean, my my opinion, I think his best stuff he ever did was him and Tessa. I was about to say the same thing. Yep. Like it that's is. the best stuff he's ever done. And and I I just no, not a fan. O V E and all that stuff. Not not a fan. So Yeah, I agree. Um, so does so the entire Impact fan base, by the way. Like when I do these, I do the watch alongs on Twitch. If anyone wants to watch Impact with me, I do them every Thursday. Twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. Um, the the chat always it's the same thing. It's like why why Sammy why especially when like you got Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Willie Mack, right. all these guys are like it's like they could all be right. Like in any of them, if they beat Kenny, that's a career maker. Like yeah. that's like. Like, if Ace Austin and Kenny Omega went out there for 25 minutes and tore the house down and Ace Austin actually beat him, that would be huge. Huge. But if, but if Sammy Callahan does it, no one's going to care. No one. So And he's going to be like, I'm the savior of Impact. I save this company. And all. Well, Andy's a heel. They're all heels. That's another thing, too. They keep booking heels against Kenny for the title. That yeah. just, so, so just by... Yeah, but but like it's the way Impact looks at it is like, well, they're pseudo baby faces because they're trying to get the title back to Impact, and it's like, why wouldn't you like when you did Moose and Kenny? Why wouldn't you have just had like a solid just two or three month build of Moose being a baby face? Like I just don't understand. Um, yeah, Sammy comes off as whiny to people. No one, I mean, no one wants to see it. Like I'm not saying Sammy Callahan shouldn't be in the company or he should be fired or any of that. I'm just saying like. There are way better options to be the main event of the biggest show of the year for Impact Wrestling than Sammy Callahan. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. Is there anything that's like really like you're excited about that should be really good? Saving and Moose, I that that's a weird one for me too. Yeah, that I mean, and that one goes back storyline wise like half a year, but like not. It, it's a story they're kind of coming, like revisiting. Okay. Um, but it's still is. But it is still pretty random, to be honest. The way that they just like came right back to it, I think they just didn't know what to do with either guy. Um, let me see if I can. I got to pull the card up. Um, let me just see. I know there was like an Ultimate X match or something. The Ultimate X is loaded. Um, and that like one, Andy Williams, Bay, Ace Austin, um, Josh Alexander, Trey Miguel, uh, Raheem Raju are all in that. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That should be good. That'd be good, Gianna Perrazzo. I uh, I know the I know the mystery opponent. I'll tell you off okay. about that. Um, or maybe I won't. I don't want to burn any of my sources. I'm not going to say anything to anybody about what I've been told. No, it's um, fine. But, you don't have to I, but um, but I from what I'm from what I'm hearing, it's that'll be a really good match, Gianna and who I'm hearing, and then um, well, it's not Chelsea Green, and then um. What what better way to show that you're taking wrestling seriously with women than Chelsea Green? Like they they don't have a clue. Anyways, go ahead. And then uh the I mean this this is a solid card. I mean like Violent by Design, I think is a solid team. Uh they'll, I don't know what combination of Doring, Rhino Diener it'll be, and I think Eric Young is still injured. But you yeah. got them against Willie Mack and Rich Swan, which I like them a lot as a tag team. Uh, TJP and Falaba, which is like, I can take or leave, but TJ is very good in the ring. Um, right. And then you have uh, the good brothers who I'm honestly like totally over at this point. I'd rather just see Carl Anderson wrestle singles than see the good brothers anymore at this point, personally. Um, Edwards and W Morrissey, that could be decent, but they got to make Morrissey win. 
Um, yeah. Because Edwards is the same as Sammy Callahan as far as like constantly getting pushed to the main event when Pete. There's way more. The fans like Eddie Edwards a lot more than they like Sammy Callahan, I think. But the fans are just really tired of both guys. I feel um, like I'm like loyal to Eddie Edwards because I was a pretty big fan of him in Ring of Honor. But like, yeah. I don't like current Eddie Edwards. I'm not a fan. The Tommy so. Dreamer wannabe type Eddie yeah. Edwards, yeah. yeah. And then W. Morrissey, like people can say what they will about you know Morrissey, aka Big Cass. This dude looks. Like he's in the best shape of his life for sure. He's moving around good in the ring. He's yeah. cutting good promos. Like yeah. this guy shows like some serious big star potential. He really does. Yeah. Um. So I think they need to do. I mean, he beat three people in a three-on-one match this past Impact. I mean, they're just making him look unbeatable. Um. Which they should be. Like, it's actually been a pretty good build for him. So, um. So that's pretty much the card. But um. Oh, Fire and Flava against uh, Rosemary and Havoc. That'll probably be all right, but, like, not not anything that I'm, like, super hyped up about or anything like that. But um, And then also, I don't know why I'm not seeing it here, but I think Jordan Grace and Rachel Allring have to have something going on for the show. But Okay. Did, did Brian Myers and Matt Cardona ever end up having their match? Like So they're, they're having another match on Impact this week, but it's a tag match where it's uh, – it's Myers and Sam Beal, who he's been like mentoring against um, Cardona and Cardona came out and saved somebody this past week on the show. And I just can't remember who it was. It's not that important. I was just curious if they ended up signing for anniversary. And then Cree, which they might, I mean, it could lead to a singles match between the two. And then I also think Rachel Allring and jazz could be on the show as well. Possibly. Okay. Uh, w Morris, he looks like 2021 Edge is funny because we actually on the Twitch streams we call uh Morrissey Tedge, the test and edge yeah. together, like because it yeah, very much sense. looks like the two. Yeah, so yeah, Ted Tedge is uh the nickname there, but nice. yeah, that's pretty much Slam Reversary. Well, all right, that pretty much wraps it up. Um, if you guys haven't, please leave a like on this page, uh, please subscribe, share this out. And uh, we'll be back next week. I do want to give a quick recap of what to expect this weekend. Um, so first, uh, we have tomorrow, we have Dynamite, and I will be there second row with Bill. So look out for us. I'll try to wear like a red hat or something so I'm a little bit more noticeable. Um, and then uh, this weekend, you have um, the return of Misha Tate, Islam is main eventing. So that's a solid UFC fight night. You said Jeremy Stevens is on the card as well. Then you have um, Impact is having their pay-per-view Slammiversary. You have the return of fans, full house for WWE Money in the Bank. That should be really good. And then if you haven't watched independent wrestling, Warriors of Wrestling has a show that's going to be really good with matches of like Davey Richards versus John Grisham, Ninja Mac versus Brian Cage, um, pretty much there's a name in every match. Like it's going to be sick. So I definitely recommend watching it. The only thing that sucks is the crowd energy is weird because they have it really spread out and on a, like a field. And so the crowd doesn't come off as well. But if you want to see some like dream indie matches, almost like PWG style dream indie matches, then that would be the way to go. And that'll be on fight if you want to check that out. So Yes. Tons of options this weekend. A lot of good stuff to watch, and uh, we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens watch, this weekend. Watch Fight TV. Use code Fight Talk on IndependentWrestling.tv. 
and I'll be um, I'll be live on the Fightful YouTube channel right after Slammiversary with Denise Salcedo doing the post show for Fightful. So if you guys wind up watching the show, hang out afterwards because uh, we'll have plenty to say about it. Sean's going to be in Nashville for the actual show, so I don't think he'll be on there with us. But you'll at the very least, you'll get uh, me and Denise on the show. So check it out. So there you go, guys. Everyone have a uh, great week, and we'll catch you guys next Tuesday.